Hey, happy Friday, everybody. Joe Murray just sitting here. Wrapping up your week on a Friday. It's Friday. I'm actually excited. I, I worked this week. I worked hard. Yeah, yeah. Doing, doing podcasts and working on a radio say It was hard this week. I've been doing nothing. I've been sitting in my sweatpants for about three and a half weeks. I, I get up on like a early morning on a Saturday and a Thursday. That's it for me. I've been working my ass off. It's, it's actually funny saying that. And it feels good. By the way, March, March was the slowest goddamn month we've had in years. Like March must have lasted at least 50 days. April, shit's over already. It is over already. Anyways, uh, we are wrapping up the NFL draft week. And what a week it is. And we're going to finish it off today as well with Dr. Football. But damn, what a what a week we had. Like the guests that we had. All week, we had three-time Super Bowl champion Ted Johnson. We had uh, Super Bowl champion Mike Flynn. So there's four Super Bowls right there with those two guys. Mike Lockhart, he's from 98.5 The Sports, up in the Fantasy Football Show and Fantasy Buzz. Bob Sosi, I think, has called four Super Bowls. Uh, so let's see. There's five. This That's nine Super Bowls this week. Nine. And we got John Serenides today. I call him Dr. Football. Um, we will bring him in right now. Um, uh, I'm sure you've played in a couple of Super Bowls, maybe you know, not not NFL Super Bowls. I mean, maybe maybe you've been to a few high school Super Bowls or uh something to that degree. But uh what's going on, John? How you doing today, man? Not much, man. How are you? It's uh it's Friday. I'm happy. Um, I watched the draft last night. I do consider it a sporting event. I'll get your thoughts on Ooh, that. Uh, uh, uh all right, I'll get that, I'll get your thoughts on that uh coming up in a little bit, but um, do you feel like April is going by fast compared to the month of March? Yeah, absolutely. Because every day is blending in. Every day is the same now. You, you don't know whether it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. They're all the same now. Yeah. And yeah, for me, like I realized today I had to put some, uh, I had to throw some chicken away. And I realized today that it was like legit. The twenty fifth. I'm like, dude, I just bought this shit. <laughs> like, I just, I just got. Did, this did it have the green spots on it? That's no, what I want to know. No, it did. It did not. Um, but uh, yeah, I had to throw that away today, and then I realized, wow, like I need a sticker on my car. Like, it just all these. Yeah, so I don't. Just everything kind of uh, happened uh, really quick here. So uh, he is Doctor Football John Serenides from New England Football Journal. He's been busy doing a ton of stuff. Uh, with the NFL draft, I've had him on 98.5 The Sports Hub as well. Um, and I know years ago, we both worked at 1510 The Zone. Uh, so, John, you know, we'll get into the fun stuff here. But um, so I was working at 1510. And for people who don't realize it, like there was an article recently by Chad Finn about 1510, the people that were there and the people who came and went. And I wouldn't say it was a competitor to WEI at the time. It, they tried to be. But the if you went to that facility, the one in Burlington was outstanding. And then when they moved to Marina Bay, like they had a plethora of software, like anything you wanted, any audio you wanted from a Celtics game was there, like anything at all. Like, so people shit on 1510, but the place ran like a well-oiled machine and had some access to things that you I can't even get into now at my current building. But I used to see this name, Dr. Football. I'm like, fuck is this guy? You know, like, who the fuck is Dr. Football? 
Who and the I, fuck like, does he think he is? Yeah, yeah, you know? And like and Billy Lanny, who worked there at the time, was like, oh, yeah, yeah. So I hear like this like really good voice talking football. And uh, but but like your shit was in the system like all the time. Like, the fuck is this guy? So um <laughs> anyways, kind of like tell your story. Um, I I I found out recently about a couple of years ago that you grew up in Roslindale. Um, I'm from I grew up right on the Rosie line, right where the golf course is. But um, yeah, kind of like tell your story, man. Like, did you play ball? And I know you've coached now. You spent years in radio. Uh, kind of like tell everybody your story. Yeah. So I, you mentioned 1510, Joe. Uh, you know, I kind of got my start there. I had started before 1510. I was actually doing calling all sports with Norm Risha. I was actually his draft expert. Wow, Norm Risha. Years. Holy yeah. shit! And the- I haven't heard that name in. Dude, years like yeah, that legend, a fucking it, legend, man. He was a radio legend. In fact, I would do a show with him the Sunday after the draft, and it was him and Gary Tangway when they were on uh, 96.9. So wow. I, I was their draft analyst. Um, and then I went over to BCN, kind of like in a consultant role. I worked with Bill Abbott, Mark Capello, and those guys um, right at the start of the Patriots Super Bowl runs there uh, in 01. And then that's when I started at 1510 as well. I started working with uh, Ryan Rosillo, Kevin Winter. I started doing draft stuff with them, but then I also started doing fill-in work. So I started at 1510 and 02, and I did a lot of um, afternoon shows, just covering shifts and stuff. I worked with John Anik, Anthony Pepe, Mike Wynn, great group of guys. You know, and you mentioned we we fancied ourselves as competitors to EI, but I'll tell you, we had a top-notch operation over there. And, and I know that uh, this wasn't talked about in the article a few weeks back that Chad Finn wrote, but it really was. For guys like me and you, it really was a place where, where we can get our feet wet and learn the business. And it was an invaluable experience. Um, I've Through the years, I've done different websites, different blogs. Uh, I've also been on EI. And of course, I've been doing phoners with you over at 98.5 now for eight years. So um, needless to say, I've been around. I'm old. As far as playing football, all I did was play high school football. Just because I looked the part doesn't mean I, I participated in the part, if you will. Um, but I have been coaching for 24 years. I do have two Super Bowl rings as the offensive coordinator at King Phillip. We went back-to-back in 16 and 17, but they're not Super Bowl rings per se. Yeah, whatever. So, you put them on the mantle. Yeah, know? hey, listen, they're still in the Jostens little boxes. I have them in, in the uh, you know in the drawer where the China is. Um but yeah, so I, I've been I've been involved in football media slash coaching since I started coaching at nineteen. So I started coaching in ninety four, but I've been involved in the media side of things really since nineteen ninety nine. So what I like what you did a couple of years back. Uh, so I worked at eight ninety for a period of time. Uh, I mean, a short period of time. Um, I found out one day it was going to be my last show, and it was turning into a, a salsa dancing station. Uh, <laughs> lit- lit- literally, what happened? I I the, hey Joe today. I remember be, that. I, I was like shit. And dude, I thought I was like getting a raise because I I, I was you know making ten dollars an hour at one station. And it's like hey, you gotta go over to eight ninety eight dollars an hour. I'm like, what the f- eight ninety? Like, like ESPN with the pay shit. Well, they should have given you eight ninety. That's what they should have done. They should have <laughs> yes. been the negotiation yes. number. Yes. Um, but yeah, I remember you did ESPN uh, the high school stuff with um, who are the guys? Uh, Brendan Hall and Scott Hall. Yeah, I, lo- yeah I, you know, I, I I love those dudes. Um, yeah. that was a good time for you, right? Like you it were was. kind of in the trenches and yeah, you know, that's one thing, right? People kind of, people kind of shit on high school sports here and football because of like Texas and Florida and all those other places. But 
there's been a lot of talent that's come out of this area. And I do feel like sometimes that people in this area don't get enough credit for, like, coverage of high school sports. People try it. I know it's not a big draw, but it is good for these kids to see it. And the sports of every year does all the Super Bowls. But it is good for these kids to, you know, at least have, you know, we know every week it's in the Herald or Dan Ventura will do something. But, you know, it was it was a good outlet where you guys were, like, going to games and tweeting about games and plays and shit. That was a that was a good source that kind of went away. Yeah, no, we, you know what? We had a lot of access to a lot of, um, because they were part of the craft group, we had a lot of access to their studios and, and we were able to do some, some stuff that wasn't being done in the area in terms of, of coverage. We were able to do podcasts and we were able to do shows where we got into the nitty gritty, the X's and O's. And then of course, Joe, you, you talked about the coverage. I mean, Brendan and Scott would cover games every weekend. They would go to practices and then the Super Bowls, I mean, that was a lot of fun. I mean, we were at Gillette all day, three square meals, covering six games, get there at, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning, leave after midnight. Uh, we had a great crew. Greg Story, who was behind the camera, tremendous human being, tremendous, you know, with the camera work and, and the editing and getting everything put together. So we, we had a, a great A staff over there, and we had a lot of fun. And, and look, you know, you talk about the fact that Massachusetts high school football is not Texas, Florida, California. Well, it it might not be, but we're pumping out a lot of Division One recruits the last five years. I mean, when you look at it, <clears throat> excuse me, the last five years, we've had probably close to 20 D1 recruits come out of Massachusetts. Look at Michigan. Michigan has made Massachusetts a priority yeah. state now. They're getting commitments left and right here. Yeah, so and I think that's because of Don, Don, you know, Don Don Brown, right? I mean, yeah, I has local ties here. What the big tight end, right? from Penn State right now is being compared to Gronk, and he's from yeah, the area. Yeah, prime youth. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. So, yeah, that, that was one thing I loved uh, that, that you that you guys did, and I know you're trying to do that with New England Football Journal, uh, which you're currently working at now, and you guys got a bunch of good uh, good draft stuff. Um, but, yeah, like that's why like one day I was like, oh, shit, you know, I'd like to get John on. And you know how it works in this business, dude. Like, if you didn't cover a team or you don't work for a team, you know, you don't cover a team or you don't work at like a – you know, channel five or it's kind of like who takes you serious. And that's kind of what happened with me. Right. Um, you know, when I first started, I was just some punk kid from high park with a bad Boston accent who was a varsity athlete who probably could have played in college. Um, I was, I was like a, uh, you know, probably like I, I was dude, I, freshman year. I was six feet, two eighty six. I was like, Oh, you got to play football. It. Hell yeah. Hey, I was six football. feet, two forty five. Oh. So there you go. I was probably like, yeah, I, get along. I was like, yeah, I want to play fullback. They're like, you're playing line, bud. I was like, no, no, I can run. I can get, dude, you're playing fucking line, buddy. And I was like, no, no, I, I can really run. I can catch. It's like, yeah, that, that's good. Now you get your ass in the line. And Listen, we- man, I've dealt with my fair share of Joe Murray's. When I was a head football coach at Norwood, every other kid wanted to play fullback. I couldn't understand it. I'm like, listen, I hate to tell you, but if you want to get on the field, take three steps forward. And that's yeah. how you're getting on the field. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah. And, you know, it, it took a while because, you know, just whatever. Um, but it is kind of, it is kind of funny though, like your path. Cause for me, like I was, I worked in the automotive business and I was driving cars. Like that's what I did. I drove cars and I was listening to sports radio and I was a big fan of that, that big show, um, approach, you know, I got and obviously Glenn Ordway was covering the Celtics for years. He was the program director for a period of time. And that dude, they had a lineup every day of, Oh, let's get this guy from the globe and let's get this guy. And then like, you get the, you get Buckley and mass for baseball. And like, you know, you had, you had your sidekick and every day it was just like somebody different on a lineup. 
The rotating guests. I loved that format. Like, I thought that format was great. So when I started, I'm like, shit, you know, I don't know if I can do this on my on my own per se. Like, I could talk to myself. It's just not good, right? You could do it. To, like, we can, yeah, all, we can do all do it. It's just who wants to listen to that? Yeah, I talk so, to myself when I'm not on the air. <laughs> you know what I mean? But after a while, I'm like, oh, I like this guy. Or I have a good relationship with this guy. And, you know, then when I got to the sports up one day, I was like, you know, I'd love to get John on here. Like, how, do, how can I get him involved? I know you were doing writing. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. You're you're a good guest. I, I I you know I hope you know at some point like you can be like considered this guy that's been involved in high school football, coached. You know about these college kids as well, but you know your shit when it comes to the NFL as well and all sports. Like you shouldn't just be cornered in, you know, as a guy who just knows all you know all sports. But I, I do hope that happens for you at some point. But I have to ask, where did I Dr. appreciate that, brother? Where did Doctor Football come from? Doctor Football was a fifteen ten thing. Um, I, I kind of toyed around with it. I had actually had a, a website called drfootball.com. Uh, okay. And uh, the guys at 1510, for whatever reason, were like, hey, man, you know, I remember Anthony Pepe, especially, he would just constantly call me Dr. Football. And they, and to his credit, and John Anik and even Rosillo, they were like, hey, it's gimmicky, but it can stick. Go with it. And, and so I kind of waffled back and forth as to whether or not I wanted to be known as Dr. Football because I'm like, it, it, it's kind of, it, it is kind of stupid in some ways, but, but it's, it's catchy. And so I've been Dr. Football ever since. And I did a show with him last night on SB Nation radio and he brings me in as Dr. Football. So you got to go. With and it. then you, you call me Dr. Football. So I'm Dr. Football. Well, the thing is like, so for instance, I've, I've I'm adopted as a bankroll boy. I didn't claim myself as bankroll. You know right. what I mean? Like, if people are going to call you that, you just got to fucking go with it. And, I, and, you, and you do, yeah. You know, and, and that's just how it works. All right, cool. Yep, talking football. You know, it's just that's just uh, that that's how. It and, works. and it's funny because I've been trying to get away from it. And you know who's been pushing me to embrace it more is is Sarge. Sarge is like, no, embrace <laughs> it, <man>. embrace <laughs> oh, it, make oh, it your yeah. thing, brand it, and uh, he's right. Look, right. what, look what he's done, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, whether whether it's, you know, hey, give me the give me the salute or you'll hear a Sarge sucks here and there, but it's all in good fun. And uh, right. Like, but you do have to embrace it. Like dude, I was Jeopardy Joe for years. And then like finally Jeopardy I'm like, yes. Joe. I'm like, yes. Um, they don't call me that that much anymore. You know, because when I did shows, I used to be like, so and I would do my takes in the form of a question. You know, hey, so what do you think about Jordan Love going to the Green Bay Packers? Well, here's what I think. You know what I mean? And it just one day, it just that's that's just how it happens. And um, sometimes you got to roll with it. We got John Serenides here from uh, Doctor Football. Uh, we'll get into some fun stuff here, John. Um, but I, I, so I asked the question right off the bat: Is the NFL draft a sporting event? And I, I was on with Beetle and Hardy the last two days, three days, whatever. They shit all over me. They shit all over the draft. Oh, wait until a lineman is drafted at four overall. Oh, right. And like during the draft, they take a lineman. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, shit. It comes hard. Like, there we go. But it, to me, it was a sporting event. Like, I, I know what we have going on in the world. But like, I don't know. I watch these kids in college. I know their stories. I know about, you know, where they played and where they might be a fit and where they are reach. So to me, like, yeah. This is a sporting event to me. 
So I know you're a guy who loves all this shit too. Do you consider it a sporting event? Well, it, it's funny. I think it's a sporting event now with what's going on in the world. But under normal circumstances, I wouldn't consider it a sporting event. But it is a spectacle, and it is must-watch television. And you can you can make the case that now it's it's up there with major American sports events that that are larger than life that you have to watch, even if you're not into college football and even if you don't know these players and their backstory. So I, I don't know if I'd consider it a sporting event a la the Super Bowl or the Kentucky Derby or the Masters, but it's definitely a spectacle along those lines. Yeah, I don't know. For me, if I if I can bet on it, dude, if I can bet yeah, on that, it. That's <laughs> the impetus of all of this. <laughs> so that, yeah, I guess, I guess it is, right? And that's another thing, dude, like, Sometimes you got to find a way in, dude. Like for me, one day I was like, oh, wow, I talk gambling. No one else does. Let's try this. You know what I mean? And it works. I don't, again, I don't, man. And you and Dan do a great job with it. Hey, dude, like, you know, the one thing that I, I, that people have told us and what's successful is we did a podcast and it got sponsored. Like that's, that's, you know, to me, that's like, yes, we did a, a good job. But like the show's entertaining, you know, I and mean, we're not we're not like, hey, what do you like the over or the under today? It's kind of like, a, if I don't like somebody, I just I don't I won't bet them. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, it, and that's my own take. And, and fade or follow at your own risk. Um, right. But you're not but, talking about Lou the bookie and and him giving you advice yeah. in in some street corner in in Hyde Park. Yeah, but you might be like that when it comes to the Green Bay Packers or the Montreal Canadiens or one of your favorite teams. You have a little bit of bias. Oh, absolutely. Uh, let me tell you something. I know we're going to get into it. I was not happy last night. I was not a happy man. We'll talk about that because uh, I, I had a rundown. I'll pull up my tweets because I, I I wanted to highlight like some of the things that happened in round one last night because um, overall I thought it was good. So, yeah. So, Jordan Love was the upset we'll get into. The kid, Becton, holy shit. Is he not awesome? Did you see his fucking dad too? Like I, I it was funny. I was watching it. I was with the wife. She goes, "Oh, that guy in the gray." I go, "No, the young kid that's sitting down." <laughs> but yeah, did you see him pushing the car? Like, yeah. holy shit, that guy's. There's a, a lot of great storylines in this draft. Wait till DeAndre Swift gets picked tonight, and they talk about his old man. His old man's a power lifter. So there's some great backstories in this draft. But Makai Becton. It, it, first of all, the physical tools are insane. But second of all, you could see why he's also as big as he was. I mean, his I'm assuming it was his mother and his father. I mean, they were big people. He is a big, big man. Holy crap, is he big. I, I was like, like I was scared <laughs> for a second. Like, I'm like, holy shit. And these guys can move, too. Like that's, Oh, that's a scary thing. Like, I saw the kid Worfs, the way he jumped out of the pool like that. I, my knees hurt. <laughs> like, right. Like, the way he landed, I'm like, ow, my knees. Yeah. Yeah. I would have I would have needed, like, you and, like, three other people to, like, lend me a hand to get me out of the pool. And this dude's, like, jumping out of the pool as if he's Spider-Man landing in the top of a building or something. So some other things I put last night. Cliff Kingsbury flexing all over everybody with the nice apartment. In the bachelor pad. <laughs> talk about, like, talk about straight out of GQ. Right, like he he was flexing hard. Uh, Jerry Jones, right on a on a, a on, on a yacht, you know. And I mean, I was joking about it. Like Jerry's gonna make the pick, you know. 
and McCarthy couldn't handle the fucking camera, right? He's like, look, yeah. he's like, Duke Luton. <laughs> right. He's like practically making out with it. And, and they made the funniest thing, too, because you, you you know a lot about McCarthy. Well, And the thing is, Jones looked like he was about to film an E-Trade commercial. Yes. <laughs> what but, the hell was that? But think about it, right? They made, they made mention that they haven't given Aaron Rodgers like a first-round pick, like an, an, an offensive option in years. And McCarthy goes to the Cowboys, and C.D. Lamb falls. Falls in his lap, dude. When I, I so there was three picks to go. Judy's on the board, and Lamb is on the board. And I go, the Cowboys are gonna get one of those guys. Yeah, I, I would have bet the house because you, we know the tale, right? Of Jerry saying, "I don't want to pass on Randy Moss again." And you know, Des Bryant was a hit. I know people might, might shit on that a little bit, but I think he was a hit. But like you can't pass on CD Lamb and do no. Here's here's the thing with Lamb for me. I don't know another receiver in that draft like Rager, but another guy when he has the ball, how explosive he is with the football. So like Rugs is just speed. Judy is speed, skill, talent. But Lamb is gonna play slot for for the Cowboys. I think I think he's gonna play the slot, and I think he's gonna be dominant with the football. No, I agree absolutely. The thing is, when you look at this draft, there's four guys that are that are those open field, big play type of guys, and that was Ruggs, C.D. Lamb, Jalen Rager, and Brandon Ayuk, and all four of them went in the first round. But here's the difference, though: I think C.D. Lamb also has that catch radius, and he has that size. He, he's bigger than all three of those other guys. So, I think that's where if you're Dallas, I mean, if you're Mike McCarthy, you're sitting there. You're giddy because if you think back to when the Packers were good in the early 2010s, they were an 11 personnel team that could trot out three really good receivers in Jordy Nelson, uh, Greg Jennings, and Donald Driver, and then eventually they get Randall Cobb. But he's got to be giddy being able to now put Gallup out there and and uh, Amari Cooper and now C.D. Lamb. It doesn't matter who plays tight end because with those three receivers and Zeke Elliott, along with Prescott and his ability to run the football every now and then, they're gonna be tough to stop offensively. I was gonna say, Dak Prescott, no more, no more excuses, man. This no, is, get the ball out of your hand. Run when you have to. Don't make mistakes. Hide behind that offensive line. Give the ball to Zeke. And uh, although I think Dallas probably could have went defense, I don't think you could have given up a talent like Lamb off. No, the no, best player on the board. You got to take him. And I think they'll go defense. They still got. They still. Yeah. Got, we'll, we'll talk about the guys um, still available. I'll wrap up a few more things. Vrabel's wild house, <laughs> right? The, the one kid looked like Aaron Rodgers. Then well, I don't know what the fuck the other kid was wearing. Right? Like, what, what was that? He's a weird dude, man. He, he is was, a weird he was, dude. He was dipping too. So he was. Know, oh in, yeah, he was in, packing. In one segment, I saw a dude dipping a cigarette like somebody needed a cigarette after someone got picked. And I'm like, where's the bong? Like, we need a right. fucking Where's Larry Council with the cash mask? <laughs> we, we need that at some point. But hey, like, by the way, I have a great variable story for you real quick. Yeah. So in 2004, me and Ryan Rosillo were hosting a Monday night football show at the Charlie Horse in West Bridgewater. And they had a setup on the stage back there. And so we're sitting there doing the show. We're in a commercial break. And I see Vrabel, his wife, and his kid walk by. And I said to a kid that was interning, I said, hey, uh, well, I said to Rosillo, I said, we should try to get Vrabel after he's done with his dinner, see if he'd be willing to come on with us for a couple of minutes. And, uh, you know, Ryan's like, well, I think we can give him a gift certificate or whatever. They, they had a way to compensate him. So we had the intern, as 
we come back from the commercial break. We're talking about the game they had lost the day before. I forgot who they lost to. But I'm talking about the fact that they couldn't set an edge defensively. Brable had a really hard time setting an edge. He was allowing guys to get inside of him in the run game, blah, blah, blah. So I'm saying all this. And, of course, as you know, I'm pretty freaking loud. So next commercial break, we send the intern over to see if Vrabel would want to come on the show. Vrabel says to the intern, I'd love to come on your show, but that guy there with the big mouth doesn't think I can get off blocks and defeat Ooh. the reach blocks. I'm all set. Ooh. So, hey, that's, the- that's my Mike Vrabel story. What do, you, what do you think's up with these linebackers that get really – like Van Noy, right? He he was a guy that got a little upset with if you said something bad about him. I, I didn't think Vrabel was that kind of guy. Well, they're a sensitive lot, man. And they got an ego because you got to remember, in order to play linebacker and do it for three downs, you got to be a player because you're you're doing a bunch of different things. So they have an ego. And Vrabel's got a great story. Obviously, we know he uh, – a great athlete could play a little tight end, but at the same time, you know, he's, he, he grew, he was a long snapper. I think at one point, Nikovich yeah. was too, I think yeah. um, similar guy, right? Isn't that so weird how like they went from Vrabel to Nikovich and it just was like seamless. And I know Vrabel was more talented, obviously, but it's it was- amazing that it didn't work out with him in Pittsburgh. I can see why it didn't work out with Nikovich in New Orleans. But with Vrabel, how does it not work out with that skill set in the Steelers? Now, there was a lot of talent in front of him, so I'm sure that was part of it. But still, I mean, how do you not find a way to keep a guy like that and develop him? Uh, another one here was, uh, let's see, Vrabel's girlfriend. Uh, no, sorry, uh, not Vrabel. Uh, the girlfriend getting rejected by C.D. Lamb. Well, that's because his other because his side boo was on the other phone. That's why. That was. I thought that was uh, fairly interesting. I and- thought it was, too. And uh, Roger Goodell sucks. Yeah, I, I, super I annoying. I thought he sucks. So that was. I, I mean, the, the whole thing with him staring at the virtual crowd. At one point, he's doing the skull thing with the Viking fans. I'm like, dude, enough. Give it up. You're not funny. You're not personable. We're, we're not going to like you anymore after tonight. Yeah. So uh, that was like kind of my. Did any other round one takeaways for you? And I guess we should just get into the Aaron Rodgers drafting Jordan Love there. I'm sorry. I don't like that move as a like on the outside looking in. I get it. They drafted Aaron Rodgers and the Brett Favre in the same time and whatever. Don't feed me that shit. That team was in the AFC Championship game and needs help. You need to surround people with Aaron Rodgers. The guy mouths off already as it is. So you're gonna fucking bring what are you trying to motivate the guy? And I know I know that they're kind of hamstrung because his number his salary cap number is so high that like I don't know if a team like the Patriots ever wanted them. They can't get them because they don't have the salary. Maybe next year, but whatever. Um, all I'm saying is, is like if you're trying to motivate the guy, maybe that's what they're trying to do. But you were just like in the AFC champion, uh, NFC championship game. I, I don't get it at all. I, I and I don't get it because to your point, Joe, they played in the NFC championship game. They had clearly defined needs that they could have addressed with that pick, whether it be a wide receiver a defensive tackle, an outside linebacker. There were enough players there that could fill one of those needs. And I know Lewis Riddick talked about this last night on ESPN. Oh, well, you know, uh, talent evaluators and GMs, when there's a quarterback there and he falls in your lap in the bottom of the first round, it's kind of one of those things where you have to take him. No, you don't have to take him. Because Aaron Rodgers is 36. And if you're ever going to get him into a position where he can lead you to another Super Bowl, you got to put pieces around him. Jordan Love standing next to him, popping big league shoe and holding a clipboard isn't going to help you beat San Francisco or whoever else is in contention in the NFC. So it was a mind-numbing move to me. I didn't get it. 
Packer fans are not happy about it. Those that are drinking the Kool-Aid are going to say, yeah, but now this puts us in a position where we can have three great quarterbacks in a row. You don't know what Jordan Love's going to be. You can't say he's going to be a great quarterback. I mean, he's got to sit for two years if you want him to fully develop and match that skill set. So to me, it was a mind-boggling pick. And then what makes it worse, and this is what's probably going to piss Rodgers off, they traded up to get him. It's not like they sat in third at 30 and he fell to them. They gave up a pick to move up and get him. So it's going to be interesting to see how all of this plays out, especially because the same agency represents both Rodgers and Love. Similar to maybe Jimmy Garoppolo and Tom Brady as well. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. Same, same agent there. And I that's going to be interesting because LaFleur, remember the McCarthy, we clearly, uh, there was issues. LaFleur, they both kind of ran their mouths a little bit last year, but they were successful. Yeah. They won 13 games. Right. And they buddied up at the end of the year, but you can tell at the beginning of the season, there was some tension there. Rodgers is a difficult guy to get along with. Not an easy dude to to get along with, and his own teammates would acknowledge that. And that might be part of the reason why they didn't take a receiver in the first round because he has a little bit of Brady in him. It might be a Northern California thing, but you know what? I don't like throwing at young guys, and that's probably why the young guys on their roster haven't developed because he doesn't trust them enough. Yeah, like Sternberger got hurt but came on. Uh, I, I hope I hope he's a guy that can kind of uh, – I actually really liked him uh, at Texas A&M. Hopefully he can yeah. come along a little bit. Yeah, me uh, too. The Green Bay Packer Hour with Joe Murray. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I want dude, you know, I bet on every game. I watch every game. I love I love sports, dude. I I have to look into these teams if I'm gonna put money on them. Like I gotta yeah, know what's gotta do your homework. I, I gotta yeah, like it was funny. I was watching Peyton's place and uh I, I saw them both golfing and I could tell that Brady drove the ball a little further than Peyton Manning. And I know we got this big golf event coming up, so maybe that drive helps, you know, fill out a little bit and I already saw the betting line is favoring Tiger and Peyton. So, you know, just any, I knew there was an angle here. <laughs> any edge I can get, I got I gotta go with it here. Uh people can people can chat into the broadcast today. Um you, you can chat right in whether on Facebook or on Twitter Periscope. Uh here's one right. Oh, actually I'll go to our buddy Baltazar right off the bat. You're not loud, John. Uh yeah, I know. He's got a you got a good mic. My mic sucks. Um coach player conflict continues in Green Bay. Rogers to the pat. So that's a couple from him. Uh, and Baltazar is the man on Facebook, by the way. I love oh, his yeah. live at 945. It's good stuff, man. That does great weddings, too, if anybody uh, needs them. Uh, can you guys talk about from Eason and Hertz? Who does go first, John? You know, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, when you size them up talent-wise, Jacob Eason's the best of those three. But I think Jalen Hurts is going to go first. I really do because – there's, there's a contingent of, of teams in the NFL that really like him and are going to be willing to take a chance on him in the second round. From and Eason, to me, could I see them going in the second round? Yeah, if there's this second run on quarterbacks, they could go in the second round. But it wouldn't surprise me if Eason slipped into the third round. But I think of those three, I think Jalen Hurts is going to go first. Upside for me, it's probably Eason. I agree. Uh, because From is... I, I I like from I do um you know winning winning the guys he's beat out of just throw that into the mix you know number one overall, one of them yeah exactly so you know from from is uh, battle tested hurts can continue to get better I mean um I think heights a, a thing for him he did make mistakes last year and he was throwing the ball more so maybe that was 
the reason I think Hurts is an NFL player. Um, I think he can help in situations, you know, whether it's two point conversions, short yardage. Um, I, I think he's a play. They're all players. I think Eason just has the higher upside. Eason, though, reminds me. A, I feel like if he went to Pittsburgh and went behind Ben Roethlisberger, it'd be a seamless transition. Um, I don't. Yeah, wanna, I agree. I don't want to use comparisons. I think Eason's the biggest. I think Fromm's the most battle tested, and Hurts can probably do the most things. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair statement. I think the thing that you got to remember with Jalen Hurts is. When you look at quarterbacks that that were running quarterbacks in college, now of course the the litmus test or or the ultimate comp, if you will, is going to be Lamar Jackson. He's no Lamar Jackson. I mean, Lamar Jackson is an athlete on par with a Michael Vick. That's not Jalen Hurts. But the thing you like about Fromm and Hurts is the intangibles, right? They can lead a team. They have the respect of their teammates. They do enough physically that if you put the pieces around them, you can win with them. They probably can play a little sooner than Jacob Eason can. I think Eason's going to need a year or two, and and I despise this term, but I'm going to use it anyway, to marinate, since we both like food. Uh, he needs a couple of years to marinate, if you will. But, but yeah, I mean, look, Jake Fromm to me has some physical limitations, but you got to love the kid's moxie, the intangibles, the leadership, and by all accounts, he's a quality human being. So I think on those things alone, he's probably going to go sooner than he should if you just strictly base it on physical talent. Yeah, and there's more quarterbacks that I don't know if another. All right, I'll get. I'll ask you. Will another quarterback go in rounds two or three besides those three guys? James Morgan is a guy to me to keep an eye on, and I think he's a guy to keep an eye on with the Patriots. I know that they liked him a lot. They really spent some time with him at the East West Shrine game, and I know that Josh McDaniels is a fan of his. So I think he's the other guy in that group of four potentially that could that could be in this next run of quarterbacks either tonight or tonight into early tomorrow. So I agree with that. Um, and, dude, the weirdest connection, I kind of looked into this. So Dino Babers, who's at Syracuse, um, was at Bowling Green when Morgan was at Bowling Green. Well, before that, Babers was with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, isn't and, that crazy? And so, like, I don't know if there's a connection there, but, you know, maybe they like him. Maybe there's, like, because Babers wants to run that that high powered offense, and you know it didn't work out for him. He transfers out. You know, FI he goes to Butch Davis, right? I mean, yeah, he's been through a few good coaches, and they interviewed him. And yeah, he's probably another guy that I would uh, I, I would take a look at. All right, and, so and, and the thing uh, is, he's he's a guy that I think when you look at the the prototype for what they like at quarterback. He fits the prototype, 6'4", 230, can throw the ball effectively at all three levels. He takes care of the ball, nice pocket presence. So he is he is their prototype, if you will. Yes, I to totally agree. Um, so the Patriots, okay, they were at 23. They moved back. My take, good. They didn't have another pick, dude, from, you know, up until 87. 23 to 87, dude, like. To me, that's go get a second round pick. There's still plenty of talent. So th right now they're going to get the 37th pick. What? So they got five picks in right in the second round here. Yeah. Yep. Dude, just just off the bat, I, I think AJ Evans is the guy. That, that that's my guy. I agree. I mocked him to them this morning. Dude, and we'll, I want to get to that. All right. I watched a lot of college football. Tell me I'm wrong. Whatever. Epinesa on that Iowa defense 
made plays consistently. Well, I mean like third and short, third and four on a big because that Iowa offense was not good. No, um, they, they got they they got better. Okay, but Epinesa every game like you, you'd hear the announcer. Who else? AJ Epinesa. Like they got. I thought he was better than Chase Young. That, I know that the upside for Chase Young is there. Whatever. But Epinesa to me, he you draft him, he's playing end. And think about it last year. I was talking to Bob Sosi yesterday about this uh, from the Pats. They got ran on. If you remember that divisional game, I know Derrick Henry was running on everybody, but they had nobody to set the edge. No. Um, who's, no. Who, it's, a, it's an area of concern for them. He can play right away. And Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, when time, you think about him, the biggest knock is he's not he's not twitchy and explosive, right? He doesn't bend naturally. All the all the the cliche words that are used this time of year when it comes to the draft. But Joe, you hit the nail on the head. Two years ago, when he wasn't a starter, he was even more productive as a situational rotation guy. Last year, he starts. Numbers aren't as good, but man, he did the little things, and that's the thing. Like you said, on a third and short, he could set the edge, squeeze that C gap now. And he could force a cut to where a spilling linebacker is who can make the tackle. He's a great scheme fit for the Patriots. And that's part of the reason now, this morning when I reevaluated the board, I'm like, he makes a ton of sense for them at 37, given his style of play and what they want their defensive ends to do. So let's get back to them moving on from um from so from the number 23 pick. Murray was there. I like Kenneth Murray. Um he really stood out to me in that Oklahoma Texas game. I like um, him too, I, and I like and dude. Like he'll, he's going to be a good player, and that's what it's going to come down to, right? This is what draft is all about. It's all about, hey, this is the guy they didn't get. Well, they passed on Patrick Queen too, and he's going to go to the Ravens and probably be a stud there as well. So that's really what it comes down to at this point, dude. Is uh, can they get multiple players to be better than the one guy, like the horse to the pony, right? Yeah. Um, to me, I think there is that talent. I think there is at 37. Now, whether it's Michael Pittman, who I think they should grab. If he's there, fucking get him. Um, McKinney, is that? I mean, McKinney is probably still a first-round grade. Oh, yeah. Um, and then there's Dobbins. I don't I don't want them to go after a running back. I just don't no, want them to do it. So then, you know, for me, like, there's still those guys are there. Like, I know you passed on Murray, and I know that Jefferson went. But there's still those quality guys still sitting there. Patriots fans are pissed that they traded down. To me, I look at it as they needed to get another pick, a second-round pick, and they're probably going to fall into two good picks instead of the one home run. Well, the thing that Patriot fans need to understand, though, is, is that me and you might like Kenneth Murray, but we don't know what their board looks like. We don't know how they stacked it. They're, they might have stacked their top five on their, on their overall list, and they might have realized, you know what, three of these guys are going to be sitting there at the top of the second round. So, you know what, let's move down, get the second rounder, get the extra third rounder to where now you have enough picks in the third and the fourth round where if you wanted to, you can move back into the bottom of the second round again and add more picks and add more players. This is what it's all about. It's about reshaping the roster here. Yeah, Kenneth Murray is a very good football player, a three-down, three-level guy, and he would have made an impact. But to your point, you can add more now. You could pick up that extra one or two players in the next three rounds that could give you more of an impact long-term. And I think that's how Belichick looks at it. And, and besides, look at the board right now, Joe. You have a lot of talent sitting there at the start of day two. You got McKinney. You got uh, your Turgros Matos. 
You've got Cole Komet. Uh, you've got Epinesa. You've got uh, Jalen Johnson, the cornerback out of Utah. There's a lot of talent sitting there. They're going to get a good football player at 37. Yeah, and Grant Delpit is there as well. Another and, one, yeah. You know, we saw him at LSU. Like, I think he could play nickel corner. Um, yeah. and I know they have Jonathan Jones right now, but, hey, if they needed another corner, like, you know, want to develop, you know, a safety, he might he might be your guy. But, you know, to me, McKinney, Epinesa, Matos, Delpit, uh, I think those guys have first-round grades. Absolutely. Um, so, like, to me, they're going to get a player there. And who knows, dude? They could be like, oh, let's trade up and get the guy we want with the first pick. Second. Like, they have the they have the ability to move up. They do. And one thing you got to remember with the draft, and I think a lot of people struggle with this, is that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I've been saying that for 21 years since I've been covering this thing, okay? Who we think is a good player is not necessarily a good player to them. All you got to do is look at Kansas City. They take Clyde edwards Lair at pick 32. Most people probably graded him out as a second-round pick, yep. maybe even early third. But the Kansas City Chiefs looked at this and said, you know what, he fits our scheme. He fits what we want to do in terms of using our backs in the passing game and pushing the tempo. He's the best back for that in this draft. Go get him. So just because we like Kenneth Murray doesn't mean that he does. Maybe he wasn't as high on their board and they ultimately decided to pass. I'm just pissed because I mocked Kenneth Murray to them at 23, and he goes at 23, except he goes to the Chargers. That's the only reason I was slightly agitated last you're, night. But I agree great. with you. It was a good move to trade down. I mean, you're the doctor, right? That, that's what you graded yeah, it? I don't really have a degree. I'm just you're, a doctor by name. Just like you're a bankroll boy by name, <laughs> exactly. I'm a doctor by name. There's, not, yeah. there's no substance there, Joe. You, you graded it well. I'll, gi I'll give it that to you. Uh, Frank Mills, buddy, check it in. Uh, Malik Harrison, thoughts? I like him. You know, I like him a lot. And I think, look... This, this draft is deep, and, and I think that there's a lot of talent there, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But they, these are guys that can step in and play right away. And, and let's remember one thing about the NFL today. The NFL today is really a one-to-two contract league when it comes to players. It's all about maximizing that first contract and possibly getting a second deal out of them. If you get a third contract out of a guy, then you did pretty well with that pick, especially if he stays with your organization into a third contract. So. It, there's enough talent there now that they're going to come out of today with possibly three, maybe even four really good football players that are going to step in and play for them right away. Harrison is a guy to keep an eye on for sure. So in uh, at New England uh, football journal, you write about them moving down. You mentioned other players that are still on the board. Uh, you know, the pick 71 gives them ammunition. And you mentioning that uh, Casario said that it resembled the 2009 draft. It mentioned some of the guys that were in that 09 draft. Well, I mean, you had Patrick Chung. Uh, you had Ron Bray, sadly, who I think was a good fit for them, had some weight issues. He, of course, went on to pass away. But look at the first three picks you took in the, in the second round of that draft, or three of the four picks you took in the second round of that draft. You get Patrick Chung, still with the organization. You get Darius Butler, who, who played for them and helped them. He, and then you get Brace, who fit in. Yeah. And then you get Sebastian Vollmer with that last second round pick. And of course, that's the draft where they also got Julian Edelman in the seventh round. So 09, if they can somehow replicate 09 this year in terms of value, then you can't be disappointed as a Patriots fan in terms of what they got. Total, totally agree. And, 
If they're comparing it to that year, then there's going to be multiple picks. Uh, you know what, Joe? Honestly, when I wrote that piece this morning, that was my comp. I think that this draft is shaping oh, okay. out like that draft. I think it could be a lot like that draft. And again, like I said, if they were to get that type of value out of this weekend, that's a pretty good draft. You know, look, it's it's an inexact science. And just because Joe Burrow went number one, it doesn't mean that Joe Burrow is all, automatically on a path to greatness. I mean, I love people talking about Chase Young as a potential future Hall of Famer. He hasn't played it down in the league. What the hell are we doing here? Seriously. Remember Duke Dawson? Like, did he yeah. even, did he even oh. play? Like, I, I yeah. mean, I know, I know he was on the Broncos last year, but, like, we never saw him ever. Well, right. And I think that's part of the reason why Patriot fans get apoplectic whenever he trades down. And, by the way, this is the sixth time in the Belichick era that they didn't have – that they didn't pick in the first round. But – I think the reason why Patriots fans go berserk is because he has had some misses in the second round, and he's had some misses in the middle rounds, and I think people look at this. And by the way, it's not fair to say that he's had misses necessarily because everybody's had them. But obviously they're more glaring to us because we're here. But you mentioned a guy like Duke Dawson. Did he even ever play here? You know, look at Derek Rivers from the 2017 class. He hasn't made an impact. Dietrich Wise is the only player that got out of that class, and they only took four of them. So I think that's why Patriot fans are a little sensitive to uh, to, to William Belichick trading down. So, dude, I did um, probably like you. I I ranked like my quarterbacks and my wide receivers, and dude, I can't remember a wide receiver class this good. Um, in in I, I I dude, I had sixty guys ranked like up until seventh round. Um, so this is what I have left over. I'll, I'll kind of kick it around with you. So I had Judy one. I thought he was the best. I had CeeDee Lamb two, Ruggs three. I had Denzel Mims four, who hasn't been drafted yet. I have Jefferson and then T. Higgins. LaVisca Chenault, Ayuk, who already went. Pittman, Chase Claypool, Hamler, Rhaegar. I had him down there because I thought he'd be like a second, third round pick. Nope. And then, um, you know, a kid from Wisconsin, Quintus uh, Cephas. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cephas, yeah. Sorry, KJ Hill. And then I love Lynn Bowden Jr., but I think he'll be like a mid-round pick. And then there's like Van Jefferson and the Gandy Golden Kid. That's just 25 guys that I had on a list right there. And they're all could potentially be second, third, fourth, fourth round picks. So, you know, do you think Nikhil Harry can continue to be like a I shouldn't say continue? Do you think that he'll be a player, a first round talent? Because I think they have to capitalize on the talent in this year's wide receiver draft. I agree. But again, I think when you look at the, the composition of their roster right now, you'd have to think, knowing the way he operates, that's probably a position that they may address on Saturday, right? I'd be surprised if they took one tonight, but they certainly could address it tomorrow. A guy that I really like is James Prosh out of SMU. He's the all-time leading receiver there, four-year starter. He's another guy that they've spent a lot of time with. And when you look at him Physically, again, we talk about their prototypes. He's their prototype. He's in that 5'11", 190-pound range. He's a, he's a really good route runner, really good at understanding how to, how to adjust routes on the fly, on the move, and in space. He is what they like at the position. And if you look at how they've drafted in the past with the Dobsons and the Josh Boyces of the world, they're kind of in that range physically. He's a name to watch, but – it's it's funny, Joe, because you probably had drafts at the top at that position that have been just as good, but the sheer depth of the position, I agree with you. This might be the best class we've ever seen at that position. And we'll find out, right? They got to play the game, but it's 
far as like guys who are playmakers, holy shit. Like I, like I still can't believe some of these guys are, are on the board and let's just go over some guys who are still available in general, whether it's Patriots or other teams. DeAndre Swift is still there. That's um, amazing, isn't it? Uh, dude, he can he can do it all. Um, catch the ball, whatever. Xavier McKinney, I thought he was very dude. I watched a play last year where he like he he um sacked the quarterback. He like no, he chased down a quarterback, didn't get him, got back up, sacked him, the tripped the ball, picked it up, and then brought it for a touchdown. He did it all in one play. Like I don't love him as a player, but I know he's special. Um, he is. He's that- a three down, three down, three level player, and those guys are, are. You know what? Even though the game's going in that direction, Joe, those guys aren't that easy to get. Plus, they love Patrick Chung in that linebacker role, right? Yeah, he could he could fill that role at some point. Um, Absolutely. Even though they signed Adrian Phillips, you only yeah. brought back McCordy in a two year deal. So yeah. if if let's say the board shakes out to where he's sitting there in thirty seven, Belichick is a value guy. I don't think I could see him taking McKinney at thirty seven if he's the best value at that point in the draft. Yeah, I would. I thought like a guy like Zach Bond might have went to the Titans. You know, it's that kind of Rabel or Green Bay. Yeah, there you go. Another guy, Wisconsin kid, staying at home. He could have helped them a lot. I think T. Higgins is a player. The only thing I don't, I didn't like how soft he was in some of the big games. Um, he reminds me of you know the Mike William. Uh, remember Mike Mike Williams? Yeah, back in the day, kind of like him. Maybe not as big, but. Clemson receivers have that reputation. Though. Remember, Sammy Watkins, that was a knock on him, too. That's they right. They tend to play a little soft, especially inside the hashes. That's right. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just got. I had a laugh at the text that I just saw. It's about uh, windshield wipers. Oh, nice. I thought it was going to be a, a viewer saying that I look like Fred Flintstone. No, can you see the um, – can you see the uh, – there's comments to the right here. People are uh, – I don't know if you can see those at all. Maybe I can. Uh, I can. I have to actually shift over to the live comments. I'm on private chat. There you go. Boom. Yeah, you can. There see we go. The, you can see all the chats that. Uh, that there he goes. Madden would say, "Boom." There you go. I literally, boom. That's a good one. Uh, Josh Jones linked to the Patriots as a big tackle. Maybe He'd that's be a great need. value in the second round out of Houston. Uh, and then the gro- gross Matos. Um, I watched him play at Penn. He was good, dude. He's big, six five, two sixty six. He he could be that hybrid guy that they like. Yeah, he's got the length, and the thing is, he's he's got that first step explosiveness and that length. He's going to be a popular name to start the draft tonight to start round two. I think I, I don't see him getting past the Giants, and and I think they're picking. Uh, I want to say a couple picks before the Patriots, maybe thirty six. I don't see him getting past them, but he's another guy that if he's there, Belichick will have to think long and hard about. What is the deal with R- Ross Blacklock? Uh, I've I've heard I've. First round grade from some people, uh, power, uh, spe- uh, power, and like from what I heard is motor, uh, and gets in the backfield. He's two ninety. Um, yeah, he's six three two ninety. But the thing with him is, and, and you know this because it, it seems like it's talked about all the time now. But football is really about versatility now more than ever. And he's your quintessential three technique in a four three. He's six three two ninety. One gap guy, get off, can recreate the line of scrimmage. But in Bill Belichick's world. He doesn't necessarily want his defensive tackles doing that. So while he could also be a really good value pick, I don't think he's a scheme fit. Okay. And then uh, Antoine Winfield, 
We know about him. Maybe maybe Minnesota trades up to get him again. I don't know. Um, and he's a Minnesota kid. He played at Min- the University of Minnesota. Seven so. inter- seven interceptions last year. But like, dude, these are name these names that we're talking about. These are like premium Denzel Mims. Dude's a premium. Michael Pittman. We talked about these guys. Yeah, uh, um, a lot of talent there. You know, uh, Grant Delpit is another guy. Ch- you made a good point too, Joe. That I bet you a handful of them at least probably have first round grades on a lot of these boards. Yep, uh, Raquan Davis, right from Alabama, who Guy's would be a Patriots fit. Fucking huge, <laughs> right? Like, six, like six, three, eighteen. Uh, Ezra Cleveland, I know, has interviewed with the Patriots. Six yeah. six tackle, right? Cole Komet, you mentioned him. Um, the Boise State guys, I kind of like because I, I really liked like uh, Vanderbosh. Uh, late, yeah, Land of uh, Vanderbosh. Uh, sorry, yeah. I really like Kyle. Remember Kyle Vanderbosh? Yeah, uh, I really but, liked him on the Titans. I also liked him at Nebraska. <laughs> all right, so how do the Patriots? The, I want them to stay away from a, a corner. Okay, second round, no corner. No, I, I don't want to do it. No I don't more. want it either. I okay, agree. We're done. Done. How about? And I'm I'm gonna say it because I feel like they could make it work. And I know they drafted the kid from Alabama last year, and they got Sony Michelle in there and James White. Would you ever consider a Cam Akers to be a compliment to James White or Zach Moss as a power running back? I definitely would consider it. I think that those guys have terrific midday three value, especially a guy like Zach Moss, who was highly productive at Utah. A guy that you, you make a good point. He adds the power element to their running game. But here's the problem. You got Burkhead. You got White. You got Michelle. You got Damian Harris, who they drafted last year. Yep. So where would he fit in? I mean, obviously, at least one of those guys would have to go. So, Well, maybe Burkhead. He's out. Yeah. Right. Well, and he's, what, about $3 million now? Yeah. He's, he's going to count $3 million towards their cap number next year. He, you would think, would be the odd man out. But – I wouldn't be opposed to taking it back. I just think now it's going to get crowded and you're going to have to make a decision on one of those other guys to free up playing time. And there's other positions that need addressing, and one of them is tight end. I think Cole Komet could be a guy, and I think Hunter Bryant could be a guy. Besides that, I don't think anyone they draft is going to be a plug-and-play starting tight end on this. I I think the three names, and you you hit the nail on two of them, but I think Komet... I think Hunter Bryant is a possibility, but I also think Harrison Bryant from FAU, uh, Mackey Award winner, could also be a possibility. He's 6'5", 245. I think those three may be an Adam Trotman, although not right away, but I think if you wanted to throw him in the mix, go ahead. But beyond those four, I I don't think that you would get a starting tight end out of this group, even though people around here would be gushing if they drafted Thaddeus Moss because somehow they're going to think, well, genetically, he's got to be his father. He's not. Well, oh, I do. I do think he's good. Um, I he needs he to work. Is. He looks. He reminds me of Wiggy. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, he really does remind me of Jermaine Wiggy too. Uh, the way he plays, he really, he really does. Um, and I don't know if that you know, may, maybe there's upside there. What about Hopkins from Purdue, the tight end, Bryson Hopkins? Everything I've heard about the guy is that he's a, a, a really good blocker, and I feel like the Patriots like those kind of guys. They do. I mean, he's six four, two forty five, and the thing with him is, I, I would categorize him as a move tight end. The reason why I like Cole Komet so much in this draft, and by the way, I don't think this draft is terrible at the position. I think that people have overstated that. There's talent there. This just isn't a first-round talent. And, and it doesn't matter at that position anyway, Joe, because look how many tight ends there are in the league that, that are elite top five at their position that weren't first-round picks. The mm-hmm. Travis Kelseys, the Rob Gronkowskis, right? The, the, the Waller out in, in Las Vegas. Like, 
You don't have to get a tight end in the first round to get an elite player. The only thing I would say is Komet is the only guy in this class right now that, in my opinion, can be an in-line and an out-of-line tight end that you can move around. The rest of these guys, I'm not sure how much they'd give you in-line. They might be better off being move tight ends or guys that you detach from a formation and use them as receivers, if you will. All right, a couple of chats coming in. Benny, uh, will the Pats look to get younger, take advantage of wide receiver? We, we, we kind of got into that. What do you think they do at Sinu in that $6 million? I think I think he sticks around. I mean, they committed a second-round pick to acquiring him last year. I'd be shocked if they moved on from him. Uh, I, I think that one of the things that they're going to emphasize, and this is why I still don't see them moving somebody like an Edelman this weekend, they're going to want to surround Stidham, assuming he's the guy, with veteran receivers that understand the offense and can help him grow. I think they're going to hold on to Sanu. But I could certainly see them taking a receiver in this draft because after next year, Sanu comes off the books. Eventually, Edelman comes off the books. Why not take someone that fits your system that you can develop now yeah. and get four years out of potentially? I consider this uh, more like, remember when they drafted Dobson and Boyce? Yeah. Uh, that's how I'm looking at it as like, all right, they're going to grab this second, third round-ish, you know, potential guy. And then in the fourth round, they're going to get another guy, fifth, you know, something like that. Um, they hit on late receivers too. So, uh you know the the ones I mean the ones that stand out to me are David Givens and Julian Edelman. Like late, everybody else that you know they just haven't been able to work with Brady because he didn't want to fucking throw the ball to them as he said. And, and you're right, Joe. You made a great point there because I think a lot of people judge them at that position on Chad Jackson and Dobson and Boyce, but they have hit on some receivers. And again, this is a deep enough draft that you can take a guy like John Hightower tomorrow who can also help you in the return game. So. They can get a good player at that position that can help them down the road. I don't think they'd have to cut Sanu or move on from him in order to fit another guy in. And there's no guarantee Jacoby Myers makes this roster because I think there are more talented receivers in this draft than him. Uh, this fellow here, uh, Hassan Reddick, Ryan Anderson, Adam Shaheen, and Billy Price. All guys that have gone in drafts past. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. I think he's talking about... Uh... Four vets who are picked high. Okay, great. The Goodfellas. Yep, I got the. See if you look in the background here. I got. I love more. it. My favorite movie of all time. I have more back here too. I could. I could do a tour, but I'm not going to. I love Lord Murray's Cup. Lord, Lord, comfortably. There it is, Lord Murray's Cup. I got the traveling Wilburys in the background. <laughs> uh, I got the Adam Vinatieri kick right here. You were sitting there, correct? That's right. Right. See where the uh, the the what is it the goalpost right the, yeah, the you're pointing I'm, right at it literally i'm right above it like right there and then uh to right here i got a larry larry bird red autograph autographed so uh, not by red though i don't think we can we can make that it's happen. quality man cave by the way my my background game sucked i'm not on par with sarge with the belts it's slightly better than silver i mean i was a little disappointed i know he went the diy route yeah, doing his basement, but I mean, I was hoping to, that there'd be a poster of Macho Man jumping off the rope, ready to elbow somebody or something. Yeah. I mean, I've got my hat collection. I'm a big hat guy. I got over 100 lids. I got my Green Bay Packers share share right there on the wall. It's yeah. framed. I am a shareholder. Um, I've got my map of the ballparks because me and my wife do the ballparks. But other than that, I'm Lamo City. So I might change these up because so you see how I have this over here. I, yeah. I, so, the, so this side of where I am is like my studio side. Um, then to the left of me is like a laundry room and shit to the right of me, though, is a whole man cave. Like when I tell you man cave, like sectional couch, fat guy chair, awesome. table, you know, nice TV, 
Um, and then there's literally like Nirvana pictures, uh, Shawshank Redemption. Um, I mentioned the Goodfellas. I got Dr. Dre, Fleetwood Mac, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones. What else? Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, because we're music brothers from another mother. We, we, we're we we pretty much on point with our music interests. Literally. So I might, like, start switching them out. Like, throw everybody off a little bit. Like, you know, I'll move, I'll move like, Kirk Cobain here one day instead of, uh, you know, instead of the Wilburys, and I'll put, like, you know, Scarface over here instead. What else yeah, do I have? like rotating pictures. Yeah, maybe I'll just start, I'll start doing that. Uh, it's funny day. because I actually toyed with the idea of doing it downstairs. I have a, I built a gym for myself downstairs, and I was going to do it. I was going to. I, I was going to set up everything down there right in front of my gym. But then I thought about it. I'm like, these people aren't going to believe that I work out once they see me. So what's the point? <laughs> of uh, what's weird, dude? So weirdest thing. I've lost weight during quarantine. Um, that is weird because I haven't. So, so I think I know what it is. Um, I, I became a coffee drinker within the last year and a half. I never drank coffee in my life. I never smoked a cigarette in my life. I always like related cigarette. I'm smoking a ton of weed. But... Um, I never smoked like a cigarette. I always related cigarettes to coffee for some reason when I was a kid. And, um, but one day I had like an iced coffee and I was like, holy shit. I was like, this is some good That's stuff, tough, isn't it? you know? And then like all of a sudden, you know, I work, I work, you know, sometimes I'd work in the morning and then until midnight. So I needed that buzz, you know what I mean? And I don't, I can't do energy drinks anymore because I don't want to like die. So, um, they take their, they take their toll on your heart. Oh, dude. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, one day I just started drinking coffee and like every day now it's like, yep, French vanilla, give me the big guy, you know, I go cream, no sugar anymore. Um, so I was doing that every morning, sometimes twice a day, dude, with like a, with like a blueberry muffin. So think about that for like almost a year. I did that every day. French vanilla coffee and a blueberry muffin. Yeah. That'll do it to you every day, dude. Like sometimes twice a day. I haven't done it in so it's been almost 40 days since I've had a coffee and a blueberry muffin. So you've had almost like a religious fast in a way. Yeah, and and here's the deal. I don't think I'm going to go back. Which is awesome. Yeah, Which like awesome. I mean the thing is right, all right. And there are uh, I'm I'm making don't don't take light of this, but there are some large men that have or large people who just have difficulty losing weight. Yes. Um for we me, might be in that category, my friend. So I don't think I am. I think it's more, I, dude. I've been a large human my whole life. There's nothing I can do about. Oh, it. I, I can like, relate. Like, like, there's no. I'm, I have a size 15 shoe. I have a size. As eight do head. I? I have a size eight head. That shit. As do I? No shit. That shit ain't shrinking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if I can fit into a triple X, I'm like, yeah. Triple, it, it's, it's a source <laughs> of pride, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, yeah. And then the other funny thing is, is like, you ever see another guy? Like, like you ever, you ever see another fat guy and it's like, he's wearing a shirt that you own. You know what I mean? It's like, oh dude, I got that same shirt too, man. DX, DXL, <laughs> buddy. The same shirt. It's at the bottom of my drawer now. <laughs> exactly. But like, I'll but get like, in it someday. But for me though, it's always been about like, I just never had the time to two jobs, three jobs. Like I just, now it's like, I'm eating a good breakfast and I'm having a lunch and a snack. And like the snacks I have in the house are like those fucking Nutri-Grain bars. You know, like the oh, yeah, yeah. strawberry or apple or whatever. So, like, yeah, I don't they're know. They're old people snacks. Yeah. So, like, now, like, it's like my pants fit. I, I like, I've done all the laundry in my house and I'm like, shit, I still have this shirt and I put it on. It, it fits. Like, I, I, no, I have it. to ask, though, how much <laughs> of it, and, and I'm going to give you the credit, but I have to ask this. How much of it is you and how much of it is the missus? Is Nikki the no, one? No, that's no, no, it's just- me. It's me. And now, 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 don't get me wrong. 
she does most of the cooking. Okay. So I like, like for instance, she's introduced me to Bonza. You know what that is? I've heard of it, but I'm okay, not. Okay. All right. So I love good. pasta. I fucking love pasta. Love pasta. Well, Bonza is, it looks like pasta. I, if I fed it to you, you wouldn't even fucking know. You wouldn't know. It's essentially chickpeas. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. My wife bought that a couple of weeks yeah. ago from Market Basket. You wouldn't even know, dude. Right? If you make tacos with this shit, just keep putting the taco seasoning on it. You won't even know. You'll just be eating the shit. Like instead of getting real beef, get the turkey beef. You know, or you won't even know. And that's the one thing. Like when when you eat a lot, like I eat fast. So once I eat this shit, like so that, that cauliflower pizza, I don't even fucking know it's cauliflower pizza. I already ate it. So it's like after I'm told, hey, you know that was that healthy shit. I'm like, whoa. So I have I been turned on to that, don't you? I do. So yes, yeah, like I'm wearing a shirt today, dude. Uh, that like I, I put it on today, and I'm like, oh geez, I don't know. And I put it on, and it fit, and I'm like, dude, it's working, man. Why do you think <laughs> I went with the black sweatshirt, man? <laughs> the all American color when you're trying to look slim. <laughs> all right, that was that was a tangent. Uh, all right, so Tommy's checking in. The Pats, he's reading the Pats are interested in Jake Fromm. I, I, you know what? I wouldn't doubt it at all because, again, I think he checks off a lot of the, the boxes that they value, the intangibles, the leadership, the ability to – the IQ, the ability to manage an offense. He's got enough arm strength where he can be effective in the short and the intermediate game, and he can, he can throw the deep ball in plus territory. So it would not surprise me if they picked him. But I, I do think that there's some truth to these James Morgan rumors that are out there. I do think they like him. It'll be a matter of how the board plays out and who's who's where and whether or not they deem that a value pick. Can I throw a guy out at you? Go for it. Cole McDonald of Hawaii. <laughs> I knew it was going to be someone like him. <laughs> Is it the hair? Is it the fact that he had dreads all last season? That, no, that immaculate it, tan? The wife's Hawaiian. So, so and I know, dude, that helped. Right. I, yeah, help. Okay, listen to me. I there were times, dude. I you know the, the degenerate special midnight. If oh, I love me, those games, are you kidding? Uh, I don't yeah. even gamble, and I love those games. Yeah, and, and let me know if you have a cutoff time. Let me know. I'll let you go because I'm I ain't doing shit. So, uh, but Cole Cole. I'm oh, no, sorry, Cole McDonald of Hawaii. Yes, he's got the dreads. Right, he's got a fucking arm. He's not afraid to throw at all. Funky which is delivery, good. though. He does have a he does have plus arm strength, but funky delivery. Funky delivery. And he ain't afraid, but that's not a good thing, okay? Because he'll no. he'll throw in a triple coverage, whatever. Um, but but the thing is, he can move a little bit, and he's a good athlete. That all I'm saying is this: those kind of guys you can coach up. They haven't hit their potential yet. The guy throws 40, 50 times a game because he has to. But imagine like in a setting where it's like, hey, we like this kid in camp. He's throwing. You can he can throw the ball a ton and give you know Stidham a break if he needed or whatever. I just think that like those kind of guys, sixth, seventh round, maybe even you know a free agent. I don't know. I just think that those are the guys that you can continue to. Hey, man, you got to get under center, dude. And you know what? You got to ch- change that fucking delivery. And you know when you're but in trouble, you know. And when you're in trouble, you gotta you gotta you gotta use your athletic ability. There was a backup that came in for him multiple times who played very well. But I just think that I look like Jake Lutton's another guy, right? Big fucking dude. Big arm. I like Jake Luton a lot. Luton, okay, yeah, but like he's a big dude that like he's gonna be in the league somewhere. I know, I know. The, we're talking backups, not game changers or anything like that. But those are the guys that I think the Patriots could get a hold of and possibly groom and coach up. 
And the, the funny thing with Jake Luton is when you look at him, he's 6'6", 220 pounds, 225 pounds. He, I mean, he. when you look at his numbers at Oregon State, he does not turn the ball over. He is their kind of guy. He's smart with the football. Another guy that has plus arm strength that can make pretty much every throw in the playbook, but he's also a guy that if you talk to people in that program, they love the leadership. They, they, his teammates love being around him. He's a guy that is a Patriots-type pick if they, let's say, took him later on tomorrow. The thing with McDonald is – it, it would be almost like coaching Brett Favre's first couple of years in the league, right? He's kind of this loose cannon, does his own thing, runs around, improvises, has a really good arm, but also has that funky delivery. There's a lot there that you would need to fix. And quite frankly, I don't think curmudgeon Bill and Josh McDaniels would be willing to invest the time in Cole McDonald had a farm EIEIO. But I think Jake Luton could be a guy that they could draft and develop. Yep. And again, I, I wouldn't be surprised if like, they drafted a guy and then took a shot on someone else to try to get him in on the practice squad or, so, or something. I'd love like if they drafted two quarterbacks, by the way. Yeah, like Stanley from Iowa. Like, I don't love him, but, like, there's a connection there. Yeah, uh, he, he, got, he got better. I, I don't I, I don't, I don't like Stanley, and I didn't like what the Iowa team did. I do think he got better as the year went on, though. He hit some big, he hit some big third down um, plays. And that's you know what I He's a funny name to me, Joe, and I think you make a – I like that you brought him up because I do think he he fits the way they operate. But, you know, like you also said, the thing you don't like about him is, is it just me or when you watch him play, is he heavy-footed? He seems heavy-footed. He seems unathletic. And I'm not saying you need to be Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson to play that position, but pocket management, pocket athleticism matters. He looks like he's running in cinder blocks. You know what I'm saying? So I see the fit with him, and I've ta- I've actually mocked him to them a bunch of times when I was doing my daily mock drafts with the Patriots, but he's just the pocket athleticism yeah. is so it, limited. There. It, he's it, so heavy-legged. It's it's Flacco-like. It um, is. No, I agree with you. And, like, I don't like Brian Lewerke from um, – in, in, like, Shea Patterson, vomit. Yeah, I'm all set. Oh, oh, my God, vomit. But the oh, – oh, you know what actually I wanted to ask you about? Bryce Perkins from Virginia. He's intriguing. You know, and the thing is, when you look at him on the surface, you're going to think, okay, dual threat guy. How's he going to fit in what they do? But I think he's a guy, when you look at the size, he's 6'3", 215, 220. When you look at him, he's a guy that can develop into a pro-style quarterback that can give you that ability to manipulate the pocket but also extend plays, which, by the way, I love how in football you're either one or the other, right? You're either a, a... pure pocket pro style passer or you're you're a runner no that's not it one of the reasons why joe burrow was so great last year was his ability to manipulate the pocket break contain and extend plays and i think perkins is a guy he's i'm not saying he's joe burrow but he's probably a better athlete than joe burrow but he can be a pocket passer he's not a guy that needs to necessarily be pigeonholed as a running quarterback and I think that that's what happens with some of the teams. Some of these teams, they put themselves in the corner with these evaluations, and they're off. That's a guy that, if you're willing to give him time, you could develop him, and he can probably play in this league as as a backup. I don't know if he projects as a starter. So, so the reason why I mentioned him is I I feel like he's a guy that can play another position. Um, yeah, he's been hinted at. But he he reminds me of Denard Robinson. Um, might might be a better thrower. Um, dude, he was good at Virginia. Like, they, had, too. they had some damn good receivers. Um, one thing too is he's working out with uh, Nikhil Harry right now. 
Yeah. Uh, they, they posted videos the other night of them two working out. Um, I, I just, if he got selected, I, I could see him sticking around as like an athlete. You know what I mean? Like a Devin, yeah. Hester, Devin Hester type. You know, okay, maybe we can turn you into a kick returner. Maybe you could play slot. Maybe we can put you in a wildcat. Like, I, I just, he's a guy that I think if there's one guy in the draft, it's him. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the Patriots this season, are they going to get out of their comfort zone and experiment a little and maybe maybe do some of that stuff, maybe run more direct snap stuff. And so maybe you draft a guy that can do that for you, a la Taysom Hill in New Orleans. I mean, Sean Payton goes to that for years, and then he came around. So who's to say now with Brady gone that Belichick and McDaniels will come around with, with a, drafting a quarterback like that and developing a package for him? Yeah. I don't think we're going to get sports talk like this, like draft, good draft talk like this in the area. Like, you're not going to get this shit anywhere because people shit all over. Like, we like it, but it's good conversation. It's not it like, a, hey, I know this guy, that guy. Like, this is just guys that could pop up and, dude, like, again, Julian Edelman was a fucking quarterback. And I know it took him four years to come around, but, like, he's he's one of the, like, essential receivers in the league. You know what I mean? Like, these guys are found late in their gems and they play really well and, like, I like talking about them because they're the guys that have always done well. They just were never projected well, you know? They were never projected well. And here's the thing. Everybody loves Jules now. J-E-11. No one knew who the hell he was coming out of Kent State. He was a read option quarterback coming out of Kent State. Good little athlete. But to have the foresight to say, hey, we're going to draft you and we're going to develop you as a receiver, that that to me is, is the genius of Bill Belichick. I know people are going to say, well, he tried it with Danny Etling and it didn't work. Danny Etling is not the athlete <laughs> that Julian Edelman was. Yeah. And, and that's the other reason why I, I, I think the seventh round is so important. The sixth and seventh rounds in particular are so important because that's where you can get a guy like a, a Perkins or a Malcolm Perry out of Navy, a yeah. guy who's going oh, to transition oh, yeah. to wide receiver and possibly return kicks. Yep. So, you know, if they draft a guy like him, that could be a pretty good value pick for them. Great name. I, I Again, I talked to Bob Sosi about this yesterday. He was at Navy for 15 years, and Keenan Reynolds was very good. Uh, if you watch the yeah. XFL this year, he caught a couple of touchdown passes. Like, you know, I always had high hope for a guy like him. I thought he could transition well. He's still playing football, was still playing football professionally, and he'll be brought in somewhere. But the, the kid from the this year's quarterback, Perry, Fastest guy I've ever seen. Uh, at, at, least, at, at, at Navy, holy shit, dude! I, I, the bowl game that they won, dude, it was like this, like third and ten. He just goes back to pass, holds the ball, sits still, looks at the field, and he was gone, like yep. just gone. He's the fastest quarterback I've ever seen at Navy. He's and they kept saying he's gonna play on Sundays. He's gonna play on Sundays. I think he's got the body for it. I think he could play in the slot if you really need to. But he is a, he's an NFL athlete, that kid. He's the best kid, I think, out of Navy ever. Absolutely. And when you look at the straight line speed, that's why I'm thinking he's a guy worth taking a flyer on because he can return kicks. And that's how he's going to make his living as a rookie, as a first or second year player. It's going to be returning kicks. But eventually, to your point, Joe, he can develop and be a guy that can play in your 10 personnel grouping. Maybe even if he really develops in your 11 personnel grouping, be a third receiver play in the slot, make an impact for you there. So that 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 is where Belichick has made hay through the years. He is, he's, found, he's unearthed a lot of diamonds, if you will, in those later rounds. Maybe Malcolm Perry or Bryce Perkins are guys that he takes a flyer on. Exactly. Yep. 
and obviously we know about the connection. Uh, a couple more chats coming in. Uh, I'm out on Sanu. Call it a loss. Sell him for a fourth. I don't even know if you could do that. I just I, cut, I don't know if you'd get that at this. Yeah, point. I just cut his ass and get the. Uh, yeah, the other thing too is they're trying to they're trying to save a lot of money for next year because they'll they'll have like almost a hundred million dollars in cap space. If you start blowing out dudes now, man, you're gonna have dead money um, towards next year. Uh, who's a Joe needs a music show. Uh, so actually, John, I should tell you that this show just sitting here was actually me talking about music and TV and swearing before it became like all right, I'm let's have guests. <laughs> but like at one one day, I was like, you know, I'm just gonna have this guest on. So like this week's been a lot of draft stuff and it's the draft but like going forward yeah you know it's going to be a lot of tv and, and all that bullshit uh coffee with skim milk is considered healthy okay uh <laughs> i can't do skim i tried i can't all right so keto okay 31 pounds congratulations bro awesome uh i love cheese i love pepperoni i love bread <laughs> i fucking love bread I love all those things too, my friend. <laughs> like I, dude, I don't know. I love the Kowloon, okay? How, you, how am I going to how am I going to be like going to the Kowloon and be like, "Yeah, dude, I can't do fucking uh, you know, crab, crab crab rangoons today." You know what I mean? Oh, pork fried rice? No, not for you. Fuck. Um, let's see. Uh, love the rainbows, of course, the uh, the Hawaii talk. What's the deal with the Packers going after QB? We talked about that. Do you think Aaron Rodgers days are numbered? No, I, I think he plays there a couple more years now. And two years from now, yeah. But, I, again, I think that this is a, a situation where Gutenkunst looked at the board and said, hey, if we can get a potential successor here, let's take him. Obviously, Jordan Love has the physical tools. I Again, I didn't like the pick. I didn't agree with it. But who the hell cares what I think? But I think in that situation, I think they're looking at Rodgers at 36. You mentioned his cap number earlier, Joe. I think that factors into the decision a little. I think that they're probably going to stick with Rodgers next year, 2021, but he will not finish his career there. I think Jordan Love is going to be his successor. Mm. Tricky, tricky Packers. Uh, so Tom Brady off to Tampa Bay, didn't resign. Uh, things are coming out now that he did decide that this was going to be his last season, which pisses me off. Uh, excuse me, he picked Tampa Bay. Still surprising to me, but now Gronk gets traded. And there's a couple of things I feel like, John. One is I still can't believe that Bill Belichick couldn't get along with the greatest quarterback and the greatest tight end of all time. Like, Doesn't it blow your mind? Like you were with Lawrence Taylor who was blowing lines out of the field, and you can't get along with those two guys? What the hell? Right, and, and that, I think, is the most frustrating thing. And, you know, I said this to a, to a friend of mine. I said, you mean to tell me that they couldn't put whatever was going on between them aside and try to win one more so that you could have the most Super Bowls in NFL history if you did it? Like, it, was it that bad between him and Gronk that he was trying to peddle him to Detroit two years ago for a first-round pick and then they were going to swap seconds? I mean, was it that bad? that you couldn't make it work with Tom Brady for two more years. Now, with in, in the case of Brady, I, I don't necessarily blame him because you did start to see some regression with Brady last year. That being said, he's probably still a top 12 quarterback in this league. You know what I mean? So you couldn't figure out a way to make it work financially with him and figure out a way to deal with Gronk's stupidity off the field to try to win one more. I get Belichick is all about projections and – and value and moving the organization forward so that he can continue to feel the winning team. 
But, man, it, it was a bitter pill to swallow to see the two of them leave and to end up in Tampa together. Well, to see Brady leave and then Gronk come out of retirement anyway. Uh, how do you think Gronk will do in Tampa Bay? Um, I think he's going to be lighter. Uh, I don't think he'll have his hand down as much maybe as he did in New England or be responsible to block as much. Um, I think the weather will certainly help him. Uh, I don't think he'll play 16 games. But imagine in the red zone, dude, you have Mike Evans, Gronk, right? Brait will still be around. I don't know what they'll do with Howard. And then uh, who's the other receiver on the other side there? Perriman, yeah, Godman. Perriman played well um, towards the end of the year. Like that offense, and they're not done, but that offense right now is big around the goal line, and that's where Brady struggled the most with the Patriots last season. Well, and the thing is, I, I'm not surprised that they're trying to hold on to O.J. Howard, and I think part of the reason they're trying to hold on to O.J. Howard is twofold. One, they they know Gronk's injury history. So you trade O.J. Howard now, you could go from all of a sudden having two good tight ends to having no tight ends if he gets hurt or just having Cameron break. So I think they really do want to genuinely hold on to Howard. But the other thing is here, Arians is no dummy. He knows that 12 personnel is a bitch to defend. And if you've got Gronk and if you've got O.J. Howard and now all of a sudden you have Godwin and Evans, you could do so much with your formations in terms of your running game and your passing game and you can create a shit ton of matchups with those four guys. So Arians knows this. Byron Leftwich knows this. So I don't think they're going to be in a hurry to jettison Howard out of there because they know that if Gronk and Howard are on the field at the same time along with those guys, that they're going to be able to do some damage offensively, especially in the red zone. Uh, a couple of things about Tampa Bay, too, is their defense. Shaq Barrett last year was a monster. Their front seven's pretty good. They were a really good running team last year, a run-stopping team last year. They have to get better, though. Like, if they want to be considered Super Bowl, like a Super Bowl team, right now the odds have them as the, the fifth, sixth best team to win the Super Bowl. What what can they do in the draft here to get better defensively? Well, I think you got to address that secondary. You know, whether it be safety, whether it be corner. If I were Jason like their general manager, I'd be aggressive tonight. Try to, try to move up. Try to see if you can get, you know, within 33 to 50 and see if you can target a guy like a Xavier McKinney or a Grant Delpit. See if you can get one of those guys because that right now to me is their biggest weakness. They addressed their offensive line last night with Worfs. He's going to help, obviously. But you've got to address that secondary. And I know they played well last year, but I think a lot of that was their front was pretty good at getting consistent pressure. And Todd Bowles is a hell of a coach, and he masked a lot of their deficiencies there. They need to address this secondary moving forward the rest of this weekend. Do you think they have to look at running back at all? I do, absolutely. Look, I like Ronald Jones, but you need a compliment. And I think a guy like a J.K. Dobbins would be a great compliment. A Jonathan Taylor, great compliment. Can I give Those you a name? Might be gone. Let me give you a name. How about A.J. Dillon? I think you know a little bit about him. See, I, I I love that. I love that you threw that out there because I think when you look at stylistically, when you look at Jones and you look at Dylan, he would really be a nice compliment to him. And Dylan is a better receiver than people think. I think people look at him and they see the six feet, 249, and they think power back. But he he can catch the football. So he's not a guy that that is necessarily going to be a first and second down or short yardage down back, and that's it. I think you can use him on – second and medium or short, third and medium and short. So I think he'd be a nice compliment. And was a hell of a player at, at BC. Um, BC sucked, right? But they hung around. 
Dude, they would run the ball like eight times in a row. He'd have to come out, and then they'd go three and out. Like, right. I don't think people realized how valuable A.J. Dillon was. You saw it in the bowl game. That's right. He he was so valuable. And I don't want to compare him to, was it Andre Washington? Who was it a couple Andre of years Andre Williams. Williams. Yeah. Remember him, Heisman candidate? It just Rushed didn't work. thousand yards. just didn't work out, right? He was with the Giants, and I think Dillon's different, man. I think he's a big back that can take carries on. And you mentioned the, the he could catch the ball out of the backfield. It's just could they get him the fucking ball? That was that was kind of the thing. But yeah, I, I think he's a third, third round pick, maybe fourth round pick, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I would say mid to late third, early fourth. But I, I think that that's a great name to throw out there, like I said, because I think he would be a really nice compliment to Jones and his running style. Uh, what else did I wanted to bring up here? Oh, the uh, Patriots Hall of Fame. Oh, uh, the selection is here. Although the finalists are here, excuse me. Um, I made a little made a little banner for it. I'm trying to find it here. Uh, but yeah, the Patriots Hall of Fame, the finalists. Who's next? Like Goldberg says, uh, Bill Bill Parcells, Richard Seymour, or Mike Vrabel. Now, here's my issue. Why can't they do more than one one finalist? I don't understand why it has to be one. I don't, why so, can't it be so, two? Again, not putting all three of them in, but why can't it be two? Sosi told me that they tried to get a couple of guys in, um, but they they couldn't. Like he, he mentioned that like there's other guys they tried to get on the ballot, more than three. Um, so but what's gonna happen is is people are gonna spite Bill Parcells. Yep. They're probably gonna go with Seymour because they're gonna spite Vrabel for a year. And but the thing is, is like Welker's gonna be next. And then, you know, I don't know if Logan Mankins will get his due, but can we can we just put Bill Parcells in? Like he's gonna get spited. Why spite him? Put him in. I don't understand it. And honestly, Joe, the people that throw out his record here are, are imbeciles. Honestly, because if you don't see what he did and how he transformed this franchise and made it relevant, then you don't know the history of the Patriots. People forget that from 84 to 88, the Patriots were pretty good under Ray Berry. Obviously, they went to the Super Bowl in 85, 86, but Ray Berry had a winning record here, and he took him to the playoffs four of his five years here. But then there's that dark period in team history, right? 1888. 89, 90, 91. I mean, 90, they go 1-15 under the incomparable Rod Ross. They were awful. Then they bring in Dick McPherson. Great guy, great college coach. His stick didn't work in the NFL. It took a guy like Bill Parcells with that big personality, that championship pedigree, to come in. Orthwine hires him. He comes in, and he immediately changes the culture here, and he makes the Patriots viable. And people are hung up on his record. Stop. Stop. That is asinine. I don't want to hear about his record. you got to look at what he did here. He laid the foundation. He drafted a lot of those players that Bill Belichick used to build this dynasty. John, he brought, he brought you're going to sit here and tell me he doesn't belong in the Patriots Hall of Fame? That's crap to me. I don't want to hear that. He brought Bill Belichick to the Patriots. Yes. <laughs> All right. He, he like, everything he did, you know, whether it was Ty Law who helped you win championships, right? I mean, say what you want. Curtis Martin was here. He helped you. He put you on the map. Like, Bill Parcells is, you know, if, you, if you're if you going to put a Mount Rushmore of the Patriots, I think, I mean, I'm not going to go all time here, but of this run, he's a big part of whatever they became. And I I get it, right? The night before, he's calling the Jets, and he went to the bad guys, and 
They had a shot in that Super Bowl, I still think. Just fucking oh, I agree. Desmond Howard, that bastard. Although people yeah. forget, though, that that Green Bay team finished first in offense, first in defense that year. What, first hey, in points scored, first in points allowed. That was a pretty good team. Were you watching I know a lot game? of Patriots fans like to pretend like the reason they lost that game was because he was canoodling with the Jets. Please yeah. stop. That's a uh-huh. bunch of nonsense. They lost to a really good team. Brett Favre was in the prime of his career. The bottom line is if you don't see the impact that this man made for this organization, they wouldn't be here if they don't hire Bill Parcells. They'd be the St. Louis Stallions. So please stop with this fake hatred and he's not a patriot and all this other crap. I don't want to hear it. How much baklava did you eat that night after uh, the Packers? Because you're a Packers fan. I'm a, I do enjoy both franchises. Born in Milwaukee, grew up here. Uh, I I actually had cheese curds that night, Joe. I did not have baklava. I actually had cheese curds because the Packers were in the Super Bowl. <sighs> I wanted jambalaya. You know that was that was that was what I wanted. And again, I'm sure the Packers ate lots of. Jambalaya. Hey, by the way, I've actually shared cheese curds with Sean Silver. Sean, Sean, whoa. Sean, have shared cheese curds before. I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, if you get a chance, earlier this week we did a macho. Off. I watched. You watched it. I did. What, what'd you think? What'd you think? I liked it. I gave the side edge to Silver. I know that sounds biased because he's he's a bro here, but uh, I thought he was slightly better. Okay, and it's the Twitter's a buzz all about it. We uh, we, we didn't declare a winner. It's just it's going to keep going on. Maybe, maybe we'll do it again. Well, I do a pretty good Hulk Hogan, so I, I actually would like to take this opportunity to challenge Sean Silver in a Hogan Macho Man promo. So anytime you guys want to do it, let me know. Whoa! <laughs> Should we call it the Mega Power Hour? <laughs> the Mega Power Hour. Well, you know something, Joe Murray? <laughs> the Mega Power Hour. Uh, I love it. Uh, all right, let's, we'll also fun in a minute here. I just want to ask you about Marquise Lee. Um, is this just a, a, a flyer? Because I, I think they he's healthy, and obviously the Jags just didn't want to pay pay the money from you know they signed the deal with. But dude, he, a couple of years ago, four years, forty two yards in that AFC Championship game. You know he's twenty eight years old. I think they got something there. I think they do, and I think he's a nice fit in their offense. I mean, he's a terrific route runner underneath. I think he fits the way they like to play. He could be a guy that if he makes the team, assuming out of camp, assuming we even have camp. He's a guy that could be a nice little, and I despise this term, especially the coach in me, but he could be a nice little security blanket for Jarrett Stidham, assuming he's the guy. So I, I like it. The thing I love about the kid is the route running. He's a terrific route runner. He sets up his routes well. He knows how to get open. There's no, he doesn't have that third gear. He's not going to separate, but he's a guy that can be consistent and, and help you move the ball and help you get into situations where you score. Because when you look at the composition of this Patriots roster, they still don't have a home run guy offensively. So they're going to need guys like that to sustain drives. I don't know if he's that anymore. Like I, I, I see him as a Brandon Lloyd. Lloyd was slow and he's a little faster, but uh, I just, I see him as possession, but you might be right. I agree. You might be right though. Like they don't have a burner. Like even Jacoby Myers, who's undrafted and and did well with uh, Stidham. He's slow. They, there was a catch he made in the divisional round last year. He got caught from behind, and I'm like, dude, that's why he wasn't drafted. And and Myers has been a nice story, okay? But that's why he's not wasn't drafted. If he could catch that ball and get to the sideline and get down the field at a four four, you know, four five speed and four to four seven, like that's why he he struggled. But you know, him and Stidham got a little something there. My and I'm not if if Myers is making a big impact, they have problems. But I you know. 
I can see him sticking around this year, Myers. And I thought he had good rapport with Stidham. I can too, because one of the, the advantages that they'll have with Stidham, Harry, and Myers is that they all came in together and they've spent a lot of time working together. And I think that that's going to help them. Now, the point I was making earlier with Marquise Lee is he's, you're right. He's not a vertical threat. He's not a guy that's going to beat people after the catch. But I do think because you lack that in your offense right now, and of course I could change this weekend, but because you lack that in your offense right now, you do need those possession type of guys that are really good route runners that can continue drives on second and medium and long, third and medium and long. I think Marquis Lee potentially, we'll see what happens, but he could potentially help you in that area. All right, uh, moving on here. This is a uh, pretty interesting question. Do you think there'll be college football next year? One. And if there isn't, Trevor Lawrence, Fields, the what do you think happens to a lot of these players? That's a very good question. I, you know, obviously a lot of this is going to hinge on what happens with these universities and whether or not they allow students back on campus. So my initial answer is no. But I can still see a scenario where even if the students can't come back, if they make an exception, the NCAA makes an exception, allows the athletes to come back, they'll play in front of no fans, and they'll try to get the season in, or they delay the start of the season until they figure something out. But I don't think it affects them either way, because next year when you look at the draft, where it could affect them is obviously whether or not they play this season. But I don't think it still affects their standing in, in the eyes of, scouts and coaches and front office personnel in the NFL. I still think next year you're looking at a top three at the position of, of Lawrence, Fields, and Vance, Trey Vance from North Dakota State. So I, I think those three guys are still going to be are still going to be well regarded whether we have a season or not. But I think they're going to try to get it in. I think it's going to ultimately come down to what happens with, with whether or not students can come back to campus or not. Yeah, and the other thing is maybe they'll delay the season. You know, maybe it'll be like a you know, November to February thing. And I don't know if that gets in the way of the NFL, but dude, if there was no college football next year, and I get it, I'm not being insensitive of the situation that's happening, but like, that's the apocalypse shit right there. Like, I, You know what? It's funny, Joe. I said that to my wife the other day. I said, I think, I think America can live without the NBA and the NHL and baseball. But if you're going to ask the people in this country to sacrifice football, you might have a civil war on your hands. You might, you might have a rebellion. Might, it might be anarchy. <laughs> and I know around here, it's, again, college sports isn't a big draw, but people, dude, I, I mean, I love it, man. And I, I love I, I love these kids' stories, man, like hearing about these stories when they're drafted and everything like that, where they came from. Um, I'm in on all that. Uh, one of your buddies, I think, is checking in. Do you know this guy? Oh, man. Joe Montesano. Joe Montesano, class of 1993, Norwood High. What's up, Joe? We went to high school together. He wants those NHL playoffs, dude. I do, too. Well, I don't know if I if I want the NHL playoffs. The Canadians suck ass, so they're not going to be in it. <laughs> Actually, so I didn't I didn't check this out yet because um, I was up all night watching the draft and overslept today. Gary Bettman spoke last night um, about – He speaks? He does. He's, he sucks. We should do a ranking of, like, <laughs> commissioners. Um, commissioners who suck – Silver is probably the best. The only thing that bothers me with Silver is he's a little too woke for me. I, I, I don't like that, that he plays the woke commissioner stick. It bugs mm. me. And then uh, man, I, I hate Manfred. Oh, and, and it has nothing to do with the way he talks or anything he says. That fucking ju uh, juiced, like that dude, he's crooked as hell. He, 
giving cash to cronies to find out information about people out out on Rob Manfred. He is dirty. He's to me like and he's done nothing to improve the product. By the way, which is another reason why he's out. No out, pun intended. Literally out. Um, Batman just has always sucked, but he he just he he it's like he's like Mr. Burns, you know. He just like yes, you know. Where Goodell is just like hey hey everybody hey let's he's like a fake fucking like oh he is he's such a phony and that that, I told you that was like that and Trey Wingo were the two things that really bothered me. And I listen, I I respect Trey. I think I think at one point he did say. This shit's gonna happen every once in a while. I apologize. I think he's gonna. I think he'll. And he added names. He called Tua Tua Tunga Violoa, and then he called Tristan Worfs Tristan Worfs. Well, hey, real quick, I was corrected. Um, From what I gather, it is Tua Tung Go Violoa Tunga Violoa. He said himself, huh? so say so say tongue go Vailoa. Tunga Vailoa. To and I, I was saying Tuga Tunga Vailoa, but I guess it's tongue. Like, that's like I think of the wrestlers, Tonga, right? Yeah, the Tonga kid. Jimmy Tung- Stuka's buddy. Tonga Viola. <laughs> Tonga voila. <laughs> Tonga Viola. And he it's him. He said it. I did it. I haven't said it wrong all these years. So uh, forgive me for that one. Wait, wait uh, a minute. Tua acknowledged he's been saying it wrong? Tua, yes. I'll, I wish I could pull it up. And what the fuck is it. wrong with him? Tua, yeah. He's, yeah I'm like, oh, oh, you know what was the funniest thing about the draft? So I watched it with the wife. And um, she goes, look at Tua's dad. And she doesn't know any, nothing, nothing. Nothing about sports. She knows Tua because... In the championship game, when when Hertz was sucking, I'm like, put in the Hawaiian, put in the fucking Hawaiian. I got her attention. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, right. And I had I had I had some coin on Alabama that day. He throws the. Uh, goes I didn't think over. you took that game off, Joe. By the way, <laughs> no, no, no. It was a great comeback by Alabama. All right. So, anyways, so it's an overtime. Bama. I don't think they get the ball. Dude just throws a bomb. Touchdown. I freaked out. I freaked. I bought a roll to a shirt, like like I like, dude. Like was it an Oladipo type freak out? That's oh, what I wanted. Oh, to know. we should share that story in a second. But uh, but that night I was like Tua, 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 Hawaiian Tua. Like I was just all about it. And uh, when he got drafted last night, they were all wearing like I forget what they call them, but I wore it at my wedding. A lay, not lays, but they're like a like a longer version of it. Um, that's the extent of my Hawaiian knowledge. Yeah. So, uh, but the, like his dad looked pissed, and so she goes, "Ooh, that his dad don't look happy," and I'm like, "Yeah, I think he's pissed that he didn't go one," because <laughs> we've heard stories about his father, right? Like, oh, he's a maniac, and, and the younger, the younger uh, brother is supposed to be very good. I he's Matt, he's probably going to compete for the starting job there. Well, so I'd give it, I'd give it to Matt Jones, but I think the other, I forget his first name, um, but I, I feel it's like something with a T. I forget it as well. Yeah, Tonga. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but I uh, I don't know. I feel like I feel like uh, the the father was a little upset. He didn't. He wasn't happy with his son going four. He wanted them to go or five. He wanted them to go fucking one, and he was pissed. No, it, but but it is funny because the the one of the things that I did enjoy about it last night was usually when there's a crowd there and they're and they're there, the top players are there and they're in the green room. 
you'll see the families. But last night it was pretty good because you, you got to see a little bit more of the family, right? So you got to have that C.D. Lamb moment where he rips the phone out of his girlfriend's hand or Mr. Tagovailoa, Tungavailoa is rip shit because his kid went fifth and he's not going to make as much money. Or Mr. Becton, who's who, as Christian Arcan said, could probably choke the under, could choke slam the Undertaker. I, was, <laughs> I thought that was a pretty fun part of the night, if you will. Interesting. So to his brother, you ready for this one? T a u l i a. To Alea, isn't it? To Alea, Tungavailoa. To Alea, I think it's to Alea, Tungavailoa. And he's going to compete against the incomparable Mac Jones for the starting so, quarterback so, job. So, Tuolea. We're going with I that. I believe it's Tuolea, Tungavailoa. All right. I'm going I'm go, I'm go with that. that five times backwards. Uh, okay. All right. Then. We're, going, uh, we're going with that. Go forward. All right, dude. A couple more. Bulls or Patriots dynasty? What was the better dynasty? Patriots. Pa Patriots, in my opinion, because the Bulls dynasty is essentially the 90s. This Patriots dynasty has been uh, – it, it was a 20-year run. I mean, I, I think it's dead, but it was a 20-year run. Wow. You know, they both won six titles, Brady and Jordan, but to me the Patriots dynasty, especially because of free agency. you got to remember, in the 80s and the 90s in pro sports, it was much easier to keep teams together. So I, I would say in this era of free agency and player movement, the Patriot dynasty is more impressive. What do you th have you watched the Jordan documentary at all? I have. I love it. I'm like a Michael Jordan honk. He's my second favorite player of all time behind Bird. I love the guy. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to hear any of this nonsense that LeBron's a goat. That's oh, a bunch God. Of He's not. It is a bunch of bullshit. Kobe. Kobe. Kobe's the closest thing I've ever seen to Michael Jordan. Ever. And I still put Jordan ahead of that. Rest rest in peace, Kobe. But, like, Kobe, Kobe had Jordan tendencies. It took a while to get there. Jordan had that shit right away. Jordan oh, yeah. knew. Jo and, and, and listen, Kobe came out of high school. Different stories, okay, whatever. Kobe's the closest thing I've seen to Jordan. I compare LeBron more to Magic Johnson. Um, physical stuff, you know, their their abilities, making other teammates. Yeah, like better. a bigger, stronger version it, of, it, of Magic. I oh, agree. And don't get me wrong. You're, you're not going to, people aren't going to like this. People aren't going to like me saying this. I think LeBron's a better player than, my, than Larry Bird. Um, no, I agree. I think LeBron's the greatest small forward of all time. Yeah, I agree. Look, I love – I worshipped Larry Bird as a kid. He's my favorite basketball player of all time. But pound for pound, LeBron James is the better player. And, and look, when it's all said and done, he's probably going to be 1A to Michael Jordan. He's yep. probably going to be 2 if you don't want to have a 1A. He's right there. But I just think we have to figure out what we want the greatest of all time criteria to be is it championships is it statistics is it is it production i mean what what is it i mean yeah. so when i evaluate the greatest of all time joe to me i think it's a compilation of those things hmm. i don't think it's just strictly based on championships or numbers or physical attributes i think it's a combination of all those things yeah like uh lebron's body of work for his career production wise it's outstanding i mean you but there are times where he has folded. There are times where he did pass the ball. There are times where he had to leave where he was to go win. You know, like uh, the, Jordan never had that shit. You know, Jordan did have a great coach. Jordan did have Pippen. He did get Rodman. But Jordan was still Jordan. Nothing changed about Jordan's game. When Jordan complained, it was about his teammates or it was about his shit. It wasn't about 
and I, I that's why I don't want to do a LeBron Jordan thing. It's they're they're it's apples and oranges. Um, they'd be on the same different eras too. They'd be on the same all time team. They'd be on the if there was an all time team, they'd be on the same team. Yep. But Jordan would be the two guard, and he'd be the fucking small forward. (laughs) You know, like that's that that that's what it is to me. And I still think Magic Johnson to me, Magic's a better comparison to uh, to LeBron. LeBron. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So uh, moving on, I, I got a bunch of stuff here. So it's been a wild month for wrestling. I know you're a big wrestling fan. Uh, WrestleMania was kind of a dud. There was agree. T- Although I like that you bought the T-shirt. Uh, I have three T-shirts. <laughs> One was a gift from Sarge. Uh, yeah, he's so, such a, he's such a legend. No, no, no charge from the Sarge. Uh, so <laughs> did he give me the wink. <laughs> yeah, he did. In the salute. Uh, so re- WrestleMania, there were layoffs. The XFL fucking went under. The Fink died. The dark side of the ropes does not make look Vince McMahon look good at all. No. And AEW is over, and Jericho is doing it all right now. He's been a part of the dark side. He's been doing commentary, like like almost like Bobby Heenan. He's and, unbelievable on, on commentary. But like, think about him and what he's doing for that, and what's happening to WWE. It's like it's been a it's been a wild month for wrestling, John. It has been, and, and you know, the funny thing is, I, I think you make a good point with the dark side of the ring stuff, and it does paint McMahon in an even worse light than he already is, because let's face it, I don't think he has the greatest reputation behind the scenes. You know, you watch the one on Snooka, and they're talking about this meeting where he, he goes to the meeting, and he basically gets Snooka off, and, and so you hear that, and you're like, wait a minute, all the evidence points to Snooka killing this poor woman, but Vince McMahon shows up with a briefcase and gets this guy off, it's it just shows you how powerful he is, right? I mean, his 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 closet is overflowing with skeletons. But then you make a good point, too, about AEW. It's just a more entertaining product right now. First of all, if you want WWE to be more entertaining right now with more fans, can you get that stiff Tom Phillips off the air? Can you get Byron Saxton off the air? The reason why AEW is more entertaining is because Jericho's funny. He makes it more entertaining. It's funny you said that. Uh, so I like 83 Weeks. Uh, it's with Eric Bischoff and Conrad Thompson. And I love out- Bischoff, by the way. All, one of my all-time love, faves. Love him. Um, but one of the things, he, he says it nicely. Like, he doesn't, he takes punches, but he said it nicely. He doesn't like listening to um, color guys that weren't wrestlers. Now, I know Saxton was, and I know Corey Graves was. But, um, you know, it's just better to have the heel or, like, the, that persona when it comes to, and that was one of the big things he said was that, you know, that say what you want about JBL. He at least can make comparisons and he'll at least tell you what's going on, what this guy's thinking in the ring, like Phillips and those guys. I mean, I know Phillips is more play by play, but like, yeah, I feel you on that. They, they've met, they've, and that's why they brought Jerry Lawler back, but he makes a, a, an irrational comment every once in a while too. Right. So, Think about the Edge Orton match, right? I mean, what the fuck were they calling the Masters? What the hell was that? Right? Like, honestly, like, why did they call that match that way? Can you imagine how much better that match would have been if that was Jim Ross? My God, Joe! Imagine how much better it would have been. <laughs> and he did one uh, from home against the Mocks in um, yeah, and J- Hager. Jake Hager, and Hager, yeah. yeah, Hager the other night, um, which was fine. And I thought that one was a little rushed, but. Um, but yeah, I I dude, I love wrestling. I'll watch it every week. I do watch it every week. But but I I ended up 
dude, I did like a ton of podcasts on Wednesday night. I wrapped up at 10. I missed everything. So I, I went on DVR. I watched NXT first because I thought I was going to get Velveteen Dream versus Finn Balor. I'm a huge Velveteen Dream guy. Like, Me too. I, I, Me think too. He's, I think he's like flamboyant and he's going to be. Um, he's a main okay. event guy, and I don't know why he hasn't been moved to Raw or SmackDown yet. But I, I turn it on, and I'm like, where's where's Finn? Where's Where are they? And I get this tag team bullshit. I like Keith Lee. Don't get oh, me wrong. him and Keith Lee. <laughs> and I like Keith Lee. But it's just like, where, where was, where's Finn Velveteen? Like, where, you know, and so, and then I turn over to AEW, and it's Jericho awesome. And it's Sammy Gervais and uh, Darby Allen killing each other. You know what I mean? <laughs> Darby Allen going head first into the barricade. You, you saw that shit, right? Like, it's like, but that was the opening match, dude. I right. was hooked. I was hooked. <laughs> And then it's like, oh, Dustin Rhodes is coming. And All then right, you cool. have Jericho saying, "I, I, it would have been better if Darby Allen landed in that idiot pineapple beat." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then like it goes from that, and then it's like, oh, there's Matt Hardy, and he's like, "Oh, you hole of the ass," which you know? <laughs> is like, fantastic with the drone. Yeah, like, and it's like this is better. This is this is just better. Uh, it's different. There's faces on one side. There's heels on the other. Like, it's just to me, it's. I don't listen. I still love WD. It's it's just right now, AEW's doing all the right things, and they're winning the war. And I think it's because WWE's feeling the pressure. Yeah, well, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And look, they also they're also willing to push the envelope. Remember now, I think for a long time the WWE they were a little too they were a little too PC. They were a little too much about selling T-shirts. They were a little too much about John Cena's little message there and pushing him on the kids. And they got away from who they really were. And, and look, it'll never be the Attitude Era again, right? We know that. But AEW has come in and said, no, you know what? We're not going to do this like that. We're not about selling T-shirts. We're not going to be PC. We're going to come out and we're going to let Chris Jericho call people pumpkin-headed dipshits. And, and we're going to have one of the best friends tell an audience that, that that yeah, someone's a scumbag because he punches friend in the dick and all this other stuff. Like, <laughs> that's what makes it entertaining. Like for the life of me, I don't understand why the third hour of Raw doesn't push the envelope more. The kids are in bed by then; they've been tucked in. Push the envelope, make it more entertaining. Instead, the storylines suck. They don't develop characters anymore. That's why they don't have anybody that that's main event quality right now, really, other than five five wrestlers. And that's another reason why I think when you look at the WWE right now, in my opinion, their women's division is way better than the male division. Oh, I agree. And that's something that uh, AEW is lacking. Um, I yeah, love I, I love Britt Baker, but she she's putting everybody over. You know, like right. she's the one losing the matches, but like she's getting everybody over. Um, you know, and they have some Japanese talent that's come in that's that's done very well. Uh, and I'm curious. So uh, while we're on that, um, some of the layoffs. Do you think anyone that was laid off from WWE can make an impact in AEW? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think Rowan would be a great fit there. I well, think I think, I think he'd be good with with the Harper shit they're doing. What's yeah, yeah, with Brody Lee, the uh, yeah. the exalted one. Yeah, or whatever that crew is called. Like you know, with all the math, the, like, the Dark Triangle. Is there that you what go. Called? But I feel like the he death, could no, the Death Triangle. But he could fit right in, right? Yeah. Give him a, give him a mask. Let him do jobs. He's probably a little more gifted than some of the other guys, you know? Yeah, no, I, I think those two come to mind right away. And then I think Gallows and Anderson, although I could see them going back to Japan, but yeah. Gallows and Anderson to me would great would be great fits there too. I mean, the one thing that I would say is a criticism about AEW, and, and I've talked about this with a, with a buddy of mine, 
is that they need more size. Their roster's a little thin physically. Oh, yeah. Like Sammy Guevara, I think, could be a, a pretty good mid-carder. I don't think he's a main event guy. Mm. But, man, I mean, he looks like he's 12. They, yeah. So they need a little bit more beef on the roster. Yeah, Lance Archer uh, is someone they just brought in. Um, I like Jake, him. With Jake the Snake. And that's a good fit. And you mentioned Brody Lee. If he can, you know, I, I don't know what Rowan can do, right? We don't know. Like, he's always been somewhat of a sidekick. They tried to do something on his own. And then the fucking spider got killed. You know, you, you know? <laughs> I they needed to introduce an, an, an Amazon tr- tarantula to make him interesting. You know, I mean, I, I'd pull for him, you know, um, and he's big. So um, Rusev's a guy I'd look at, um, like repack. EC3 could be repackaged, I think. I, I, you just took the words out of my mouth. I think um, the WWE really fucked up with oh, him. Oh, no. They, I think they wanted to fuck with him because... He was like a, a great talent at Impact and TNA, you know? Yeah. And all they had to do, in my opinion, was take that gimmick from TNA and bring it over to the WWE. And they couldn't do it. It's the same thing with Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode had a great gimmick at TNA. Yeah. And all they had to do was kind of bring that in. And then, don't get me wrong, I like what they did with Roode with the robe. And I love that entrance. But they haven't done anything with him. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing with EC3. They kind of, they, he comes up, he gets squashed on Raw, and that's the end of them. So I think he'd be a great fit at AEW too. Yeah, like I don't know if Sarah Logan could do anything at uh like for, for the women. They need something on that woman's AEW roster. Yeah, it is lacking. I agree. Perazzo, maybe she goes over. I don't know. Yeah. That that that's a good name. And um I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that could, you know, and I don't know who oh, the other guy is Revolt. Uh, the revival is now the Revolt. Oh, the Revolt. Are so, they officially over there? Not yet, but they changed their name, so that's that's probably another um, the revolt. <laughs> I like it. Uh, it's very interesting. Like no offense, but 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 I, are they that interesting? Though I'm just saying, like when you look at them, they, they're not great on the mic. They're not physically. They're okay bodies. They're okay in the ring. Like I, I, people love them, and that's fine. I get it. I don't dislike them, but the revolt. I, it's just, I, I, so NXT. I thought they were a very good tag team when they came over to WWE, no. But I think AEW can give them the time for the storyline, you know? I agree. Like, if they're good at figure fours and Boston Crabs and submission moves and tagging in and out and sticking, kicking guys in the corner and tagging again, they can do that stuff at AEW. And fucking WWE, it's like, all right, let's go get a snack, you know what I mean? Right. The tag team division has been completely emasculated in WWE. I mean, uh, look at look at what they did two weeks ago. They brought out those those guys, the Forgotten Sons, right? And they're wrestling the Lucha House Party, and you're watching the match, and you're like, the Lucha, the Lucha House Party is here as wrestlers, mm-hmm. and the Forgotten Sons, and there's a reason why they're forgotten. They're here, and you're watching this, and you're like, all right, in any normal world, the Lucha House Party wins this match, but because they need to push these three stiffs, they're going to win the match, and sure enough, they did, and so. There's, there's totally a lack of creativity on the tag team side. I mean, those belts change hands every every month, it seems, right? Yeah. Like, if yeah. they're smart, keep them on the street profits as long as you can. Ooh, okay. Um, I like the Uso. I think the Usos are still a good team. Uh, the Miz and Morrison, whatever, they're going to put each other over uh, in the New Day, right? That's pretty much yeah. all. That, you know, I think they're all on SmackDown. Um, then you look, yeah, you're right. On, on the Raw side, I don't know if there is... Hey, oh, street profits. Two, two more things about wrestling, real quick. Um, uh, Kevin Owens beats Seth Rollins and yet doesn't get a fucking title shot. I don't get that. Where, where is he? 
And then this money in the bank thing. I'm interested. I'm intrigued. The corporate ladder. But, like, who are the contestants? Like, are they pushing <laughs> They've Alistair? They've been doing these matches to qualify. Are they pushing Alistair Black on? I, I, I want to root for him. But, like, give me Kevin Owens. Give him the fucking, t- give him the briefcase and fuck everyone's world up, you know? I, I don't get it. And it's amazing to me because, obviously, he lives in Florida. He's a big Disney guy. He's like a Disney junkie. So you know he's in Orlando. So why aren't you using him? Unless he's saying, I don't want to wrestle with what's going on, maybe. But but I don't understand how the, the Monday Night Messiah loses at WrestleMania and he gets another title shot, which I think Rollins is great, but I'm also getting tired of his shtick. And th- this is my issue with them. They don't develop characters, and therefore they don't develop mid-carders that, become, that can become main event guys, and you can have a new face. That's why I love the push they're giving McIntyre right now. Yeah. One thing I'll say about Seth, I was out on Seth for a while. Um, the reason why he's the, he's probably the most accomplished wrestler right now. He's no, running, I agree. He's the King Slayer, the Beast Slayer. He's now the Messiah. Like you like Slayer the band. No, yeah, I'm just but, but what I mean though is he he was part of the Shield. He's won every title. He's cashed in at WrestleMania. He's had WrestleMania moments. He's done everything. Yeah, he, he he's probably sold merchandise for all I know. But what I mean is, this guy has done it all, but he's still not over as like this great, this great like personality. Um, I, and that, that's why I'm not, I don't want to bury him because he has done everything. Like anything they've asked him to do, he's met. He's he's rang the bell, but it's still not over for me. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think part of the problem with him is is that whether he's a face or a heel. It just seems like he's he's so predictable. If he's a face, you know, he he's he's the crowd loves him. He's pretty good in the ring, but then he gets the feign, he feigns a knee injury and 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 then that puts him in a position where he could lose. And then when he's a heel, he's kind of whiny, kind of a prima donna, kind of entitled. And then when he gets really mad though when he's a heel, then that 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 other side of Seth comes yeah, out. So yeah. I think part of the problem with him is is that we're just so used to seeing him. He's there every week. He's a company guy. He's good, but there's really no one else. I mean, do you really want to do Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins right now? Isn't that shouldn't that be something you say for down the road? Maybe yeah. a SummerSlam or a Survivor Series. Same thing with with Wyatt and Strowman. I, mean, I guess you have to do both of those right now because of the circumstances. But it also speaks to where they are as a company in terms of developing talent. Absolutely, uh, love wrestling talk. Um, it's it's it. People love it. It's always something to to get angry about because no one's right, no one's wrong. It's just you know you're either happy or you're, or you're not. You know, it's like yeah, I don't like this or I do like that. Well, this week sucked. Oh, I like this. Oh, where are they going with that? It, We're so, a very fickle fan base, my friend. Yeah, it really, it really is. Uh, all right, final thing we do here on the show, man. I appreciate you uh, taking the time today. I call it quarantine stuff that you've been doing during uh, quarantine. Uh, they've been having Metallica Mondays. Love it on Facebook Live. Um, you know what I listened to when I was doing the dishes before here, and I I have I have Napster. That's my music, and Metallica is on Napster. If you can fucking believe that, um, which but, is such a slap in the face to Lars. I know, I know. But the song I saw so one pops on first, and I'm like, all right, cool. I haven't heard, you know. I, and I, it's funny. I'm in the I'm in doing dishes, and all of a sudden I hear, and I just start playing the air drums on my own. And then you, you start know? breaking dishes, and, and all of a sudden I'm like, 
you know, and uh, I just like stop in place. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, what's coming on next? Cause it's, you know, I don't know their catalog. I don't know what's coming next, you know? And all of a sudden I hear so fucking what? Yeah. So awesome. <laughs> off of garage days. And all of a sudden I, like, so me, I'm just like, all right, what else is going to start fire? Like just what, you know, cause it's the, it's, and the other thing is they don't give you on Napster like um, To Kill Them All and like uh, some of those albums just they're not on there. It's kind of like Black, the garage, you know, mentioned like that kind of shit. And then you'll just get, think like, how screwed up the lyrics to that song are, though, right? I know. I, he after the cheap, he after goat, he rammed his, you know what, right down its throat. Um, <laughs> but dude, so here's, I know you're a big Metallica fan and I am too. So I, I, I always, I always liked Metallica. I never, I never loved them. And I, I'm a failed musician. So, like, I tried to play music at one point in my life. And um, all of a sudden, I'm like, holy shit, Metallica is unbelievable. Um, you know, James Hetfield's this rhythm guitarist who writes crazy lyrics. Kirk Hammond is just this fucking, Kirk Hammond, is, he's just this amazing fucking soloist. And Lars, say what you want about him, talk shit, whatever you want. He just sounds so good. It fits. Yeah. Oh, it's... Uh, and then whoever the bassist is, like I liked Cliff, but I was a Newstead fan, and I so love Ro- and I love Robert Trujillo. I I always respect what he did, but I I feel like there are these people out there that oh Metallica no 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 oh, oh they sold out like fuck you buddy that fuel shit fuel like all that shit the, the load and reload that shit's still good you know, you know what I mean like and, and dude Saint Anger when it came out it wasn't great but like I listened to that whole album dude I was I played music to that whole album. And I went to Summer Sanitarium tour at fucking Foxborough, whatever it was at the time. And like Limp Biscuit opened up for them. I was there. And, and yeah. Dude, that was like one of the best concerts I ever went to. Unbelievable. And the thing is, Metallica really is a legendary band. They were a Are metal you? band that had to transform to sell records. Yes, they got political when it came to Napster. And yes, once they stopped doing drugs, it kind of tailed off a little bit. But to me, if you give me a four piece band and do whatever you want with a fucking bassist. Um, but Hammett, Hetfield, and, and Lars, dude, they, they're like a fucking threesome that, like, I don't know if it can be beat. No, and the thing is, you know, I mean, I've been in the, into them since 1986. I'm fanatical. I've seen them 11 times. I haven't missed them around here since 92. But, you know, the thing that I – they just, to me, it's just that, that their lyrics, they're just so heavy, so powerful – there's so much anger there. And then you take those lyrics and you blend them with that sound. And it's just so kick-ass. So, I remember one time somebody asked me, they said, why do you like Metallica? I said, because Metallica is literally a band that their sound is, I'm going to kick your door down, I'm going to punch you in the face, and I'm going to kick your ass. And that's what I love about them. They tap into that side of me. And, and they grabbed me from a young age. I mean, First Metallica album I bought was Master of Puppets in 86, and I've been hooked ever since. They've been my favorite band. Alice in Chains is right there. I don't even call them my second favorite band. They're 1A. but And, and they had the same visceral effect with me when I first heard them. But, I mean, Metallica, and that's why they've been around for so long and why they still sell out when they tour because it, it, it's a phenomenal show for one. And their fan base is rabid. They just eat that shit up, people like me. I've often said to people, Joe, if they put shit in a bag and they put Metallica on it, I'm buying it. Agree. Uh, there's some stuff I don't like, and that's fine. Different strokes, yeah. different folks. I don't love St. Anger. 
you know, so, some covers, you know, Bob Seeger, like, you know, yeah. it's, I don't it, know why it, they went there. It, it is, it is what it is, but, um, yeah. So Allison Chains is my favorite band. And what happened was I, I, um, I wanted to learn how to play guitar and I love Jerry Cantrell. And one day I kind of was like, dude, Jerry Cantrell doesn't get enough credit. Uh, nope. People, people, sweat. my favorite guitarists of all time. People sweat Lane Staley, like they give him all the credit. I'm like, one day I'm like, dude, Lane can't even fucking wake up. He can't even show up. He forgets lyrics. Like I like, kind of like resented Lane for like a long time. And um, you know, the unplugs, like people love the Nirvana unplugged, right? But like the Allison Chains unplugged is way better. Um, yeah. and I think that you can actually see the you and talent. I are in a rare crowd with that opinion, though, my friend. Uh, yeah, and so, dude. But the reason for it is, do you see what Jerry's doing, dude? Jerry's, Jerry's this this uh, you know, harmony and leading everything, and you know, looks at Lane and they they just know when to like do what together. So you know, there's great pairings in the world, right? Like I I use Metallic Metallic as a trio, okay. But when I look at pairings, I think Roger Waters, David Gilmore. When I think of Alice in Chains, I just think of those great, like Slash Axel. I think of these great. And, and I, I I go Pink Floyd more than anything with with Alice in Chains because there there were this heavy metal band that became an alternative grunge band, and really what they were were like har- just these great harmony guys. And, and Kid Trell, right? Isn't he? I mean, I love David Gilmore. He's one of my favorite musicians of all time. And I, he's he's the Jerry Cantrell and Pink Floyd yeah. on, on on the basis of what you're saying, right? Because he's kind of the forgotten guy. Everybody talked about Waters, and then he went yeah. nuts, and you know, he was the face of Pink Floyd. But it was really David Gilmore. But like the I songs, feel the same way with Cantrell. The songs people love about Pink Floyd are, you know, people. Oh, wish you were here. That's David Gilmore, That's dude. David Gilmore. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. you know, money. Comfortably numb. David Gilmore. Yeah, money. You want that? It's fucking. That's David Gilmore. But you look at a lot of these Alice in Chains songs. Like, yeah, they're gonna go to Man in the Box, and but like Down in the Hole. That's a harmony of Lane and fucking Jerry. And dude, Jerry, I could do, yeah. I could do this all day. I could do I could I could do this all day. But I one day I I got the guitar and I realized that Jerry Cantrell was better than Lane than uh, Kurt Cobain on the guitar. And I and then I'd learn Metallica I agree and I, wholeheartedly. And I'd look there'd be these things that like Headfield would have on a rhythm that I couldn't even like think of that Hammond could do, but Jerry could do both. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I was like putting it all together. I'm like, whoa, Jerry is like this guy. And I feel like Mike McCready. I feel the same way about a guy like him. Tremendous guitarist. He's, he's got sto- big and fan. He's, and he's got Stone Gossard up his ass. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like Kim Tile <laughs> from fucking Soundgarden, you know, but Cornell could play a little bit. And you know where you see the genius of Mike McCready, though, is when they when he had to venture off and do Mad Season, yeah. right? That's when you saw how good Mike McCready was, when you saw the range on that album. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you go from River of Deceit to I Don't Know Anything, and you yeah. see the range and how good Mike McCready was. So Mike you didn't McC- get a sense of that because when you think Pearl Jam, it's Eddie Vedder, and then yeah. it's probably Stone Gossard, and then Mike McCready. Yeah, and then you mentioned that Mad Season album. A lot of the shit that McCready's playing was kind of a knockoff off of Allison Chains. Like, you know, you mentioned Don't Know Anything. Right. It's just like a riff that, like, Allison Chains would do that let, would let Lane do his thing. But there's a song on there's two songs on that album I, I, I'm going to tell you about and tell everybody else about. But there's a song called, um, uh, oh, shit. It, it, it just goes, bam, 
It's just man oh yeah 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 yeah. It, it's man um, in the box. It's, it's a tremendous it's, song. It's, man in the box is the fucking yeah. riff. But yeah. uh, what is it called? Um, how is it you're feeling so uneasy? How is it that I feel fine? Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm above is the name. Of the I'm above. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and here then, we go. Here we go. I'm gonna flash the pipes. I'm above. But but the but the riff is man in the box. That's yeah. that's Mike McCready fucking with you. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. and then, and it then ain't him paying homage to Jerry Cantrell. And then last last one, music wise. I know, I'm, dude. I, we're, we're, I'm rambling and tangenting here, but. There's a song called Long Gone Day on that right album. Song. And if you hear that song, it's so much blood I'm starting to drown. A band stole that song. It was called really? Godsmack. I'm not the one who Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it now. They fucking You're not a Godsmack guy. Oh, out! Out, 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 out! Out! <laughs> Because you know why? There's a song called Godsmack that Allison Chains wrote. Well, you and- want to know something funny? They were they were an Allison Chains cover band. I saw them in 1994 at Bill's Bar on Lansdowne doing Allison Chains covers. Bastards. And that yeah. that that the Godsmack son drawn by Lean Staley. <laughs> so so you're out on Solierna, right? You're out. All right. Out on Sully Erna. You know, like when I hear like, do like I told you. I'm like, hey, this kind of sounds like a mix of Alice and Jane's and Metallica. Right? Like, <laughs> And in, I saw them open for Metallica in 04. At the I, I did. I was there. The Sully and fucking, was it Sully and James did a drum off? They did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was those. It was, yeah. I was at yeah. the same, same, same show. But what I mean by that is Godsmack probably made a shitload of money, right? A shit ton of money. Being, being an AIC Metallica knockoff. You ripped everything. Everything. Right? The last Metal- uh, Godsmack album was called Faceless. Do you know what Alice in Chains' first album was called? Facelift. Lift. Okay? Like, <laughs> oh, oh, I could do this all day. All fucking day. We have been do doing it. it all day, <laughs> But But, yeah, like, yeah. I, so, yeah, I know you're a Metallica guy. You're an Alice in Chains. You get it. You fucking get it. And I, I appreciate that. Uh, moving on, quarantine. time. Uh, what shows have you been watching at home? Uh, Dark Side of the Ring, which I love. The Dino Bravo one was pretty good the other night. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a big, and I know I, I might catch shit for this when I say it. I'm a big Guy Fieri guy, so I've been doing diners, <laughs> drive-ins, and dives. No, the show's awesome. Dude, I watch Girl Meets Farm. Fuck everybody, okay? <laughs> A big HGTV guy because I am a part-time real estate agent. So I've been watching uh, Love It or List It. Uh, oh, yeah. Big yeah. ghost adventure guy. Big Zach Bagans. Dude, Zach Bagans, when I went to Vegas, I almost I like almost went. Uh, I wanted to like go to the hotels and shit. I ended up at the Tim Burton. haunted house. Yeah, I I ended up at the Tim Burton Museum, which wasn't wasn't bad. And then I went to which the probably mob. just as fucked up as his haunted house. Dude, I went to the Mob Museum. Awesome. Oh. Like, if you ever have a chance to go to the mob, I, I got to get out there. There's a real fucking courtroom you could sit in that they still use. Oh, really? And in the basement, they got a fucking, um, like, a bar or whatever you call it. Like, uh, like, but they, they give you everything like it's, like, fucking prohibition shit. So, like, when you get, like, a drink, they, they give it to you in a case that doesn't look like a drink. 
You know what I mean? Because they're like trying to be fucking sneaky. See, for a guy like me, whose favorite movie of all time is Goodfellas and favorite show of all time is The Sopranos, I got to get out there. Yeah, Dude, I'm watching The Sopranos again. Um, So the last episode I watched was when uh, they tried to buy the summer house uh, and the dude next door and he couldn't get out of the fucking lease. And Carmela's in the Russian called the sun member. And was like, she's like, oh, you're you're fucking Russian called the house. Um, So he has to sleep there for the night. And the the guy knocks on the window like, fuck, dude, you know, And he's like, hey, I got to get out of the thing. He's like, you know, hey, uh, I'm not buying your fucking house. And then uh, he gets the speakers out of the house, gets the Stu Gatz, leaves it out front, plays a little Dean Martin. Awesome. Gets out of the deal. Such a great show. I wish I could do that to somebody. Somebody that like one day, just like, wouldn't that be awesome? Just pull up my boat. I'll play fucking Alice and Jade's all day long. That will get him out of the house. Uh, What else? Blair, Blair again. Uh, What what have I been watching? Uh, Shit's Creek. I'd recommend if you get a chance. Shit's Creek. Better Call Saul. You've been watching. Oh my god! All right. So it's. Did you like Breaking Bad? I never got into it. See, okay. I, I this is the part of the show where I'm going to suck because I I haven't gotten into any of those shows. No, 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 it's fine. Hey, listen, Breaking Bad's an acquired taste. Um, I you got to get through it, dude. It's good. No, I'll, if you like Sopranos, it's really good. Um, and it's about fucking drugs and killings and fucking gangs and like that's awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. Uh, but I love Sons of Anarchy. Did you did you like that? I got into it in the beginning and then I, it kind of lost me. Okay. Very good shows, and we got nothing going on, so kill some time. Um, first restaurant you'll go to when quarantine is over. First restaurant I'll go to when quarantine's over the Eagle Brook Saloon in Norfolk. It's, it's a good spot. In fact, quick story for you I did a Monday night football show there in 2016 and uh, at 15:10. Uh, my partner uh, was a KP King Philip guy. But then my uh, on-site board op for that show was Billy Laney. <laughs> oh, snap, huh? That's how Billy Laney and I are uh, friendly. That's awesome, cool. awesome dude. We had a blast. Basically, me and Billy would get there early, have pizza. He'd have some blueberry ales. <laughs> and we'd hang out. And then we'd do a Monday night football show. While the game was going on, which you know I wasn't crazy about, but I had sponsors, so it didn't matter. We made it work. That's what it dude. That's how I got started, man. I'd fucking, hey, you want to be on the radio? All right, cool. Why don't you uh, go fetch these uh, sponsors? Okay, great. And I had people who wanted to help. You know, they they were like, all right, cool. Like, all right, we'll support you, dude. And you know, did, did whatever I could to fucking, you know, get people uh, get people in the door. And it was uh, great, too, because Billy and I would go, you know, he'd jump in, so we'd all go back and forth. And sometimes my co-host might come rolling in a couple minutes late, but it was good. It was good with Billy because... You know, we we would like I said, we'd get there early and then we'd go back and forth. We had a blast doing it. Well, dude, I I tried to get Billy on like so. My story was um I I started at fifteen ten. I went to eight ninety and I, I was at fifteen ten for a while. And um I this dude Dave Collinane, if you know him, he, I do. Yeah, he was at a station called WBNW. It it stands for Business News. And he's like, hey, man, like, you know, you should come to our station. Like, we, we, you know, we'll give you mornings, Monday through Friday. You can get your reps. And uh, he's like, you know, we're only going to ask you for a fee for, like, you know, the fucking some time and a producer. And I'm like, you know, I should really consider doing this. I can get the reps. I can do Monday through Friday, like whatever. Um, so I went there and I sold advertising at the station. And Barry Armstrong, the owner, was like, hey, man, like, why don't you come work for me? 
So for me, it was because I was selling, you know, it had right. nothing to do with, you know, being good on the air or whatever that, um, that just developed over time. I still don't know if I'm good. I just, I feel like I'm, I'm likable. So whatever. Um, but yeah, you're good or you wouldn't be on man. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll give the, the old Barry. You're, you're very good. Um, but you know, that's how it happened. I got Barry was like, Hey, come work for me. I got a full-time job in radio. And, uh, one day I had to fill in and do business news. And I'm like, yeah, the S and P and the fucking DNA and the I'm Joe like, Murray stock report. I, I'm like, I am fucked. That was one day I was like, hey, mortgages, you know, hey, you should really uh, get a mortgage now because uh, you know the rates are the best. And you know. quick and Joe. No, but you know what, John? I would have called you because I would have been like, all right, hey, John. So, uh, you know, tell us why we should buy now, and you know, when you do get a pre-approval, right? You have 90 days, right? Are you better off getting it the first 90 or waiting out another 90? So, John, tell us about that. You know, like that, that real estate me. hour with Joe Murray and John Sari. <laughs> but like that would be that would that was it, dude. Like that was what we were doing. And I'm like, fuck. But you know, I learned. I learned that all right, if you're not a sports guy, good. I'll tell a funny story. Well, not a weird story, but uh it was funny. I had Ted Johnson on this week, and he's like, Yeah, the last time we were on Joe, it was when Kobe Bryant passed. We had a whole show lined up of like doing Ted shit for four hours about Super Bowls. Kobe shit drops and it's like, oh man, like you gotta you gotta take over. Direct. You gotta you gotta just whew. um that's the shit that like being on the air, you don't want to be that guy, but a time like Howard Stern. I always thought about him, you know, when he was this funny guy and he saw an explosion in New York one day and that was it. And uh if you're a radio guy, that's that's the shit you gotta take on when when real life real life shit happens. Yeah. Uh moving on here real quick. Um I went on another tangent. Um, I know you're Greek. I love Greek food. I'm a big Euro guy, and we've been talking for a long time about getting together for some fucking Euros. But I love there's a place in Medford called Oasis that that I I've love. heard of it. Uh, it, dude, it's good. Um, so I'm I like to eat Greek food. There's a brother's Katina, um, uh, in the area here up in Peabody, um, that I like to go uh that I like to go to. But if like, give me your fucking go to Greek platter, man. Go-to go Greek platter for me is simple. It's a souvlaki with the uh, with the pork, the pork souvlaki, the tzatziki. You got to stuff the fries in there, Joe, if you want to wait, wait. So let's talk about tzatziki sauce for a minute. So, I, 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 love, I love the tzatziki. But is it, a, is it celery? Like what? No, no, it's cucumber. Okay, cucumber. It's, it's but, simple. It's, it's yogurt, garlic, salt, pepper, cucumber. That's all you need to make a good tzatziki. Fucking love is it? Is it tzatziki? tzatziki it, it, yeah, well, in Greek it's tzatziki, but yeah, it's to, in English. The English translation of it would be tzatziki. Okay, so tzatziki sauce is the way to go. Yeah, so I yeah, like to put my. If you're around Greeks and you want to sound legit, call it tzatziki. So I like tzatziki wrapped in my fucking uh, like pita bread. Oh yeah, or I thought you were gonna say your hands for a second. No, 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 no. I'm a tzatziki fan, but go ahead, go with your plate. Well, souvlaki. So you you, you know it's kind of the. It's it's the 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 brother of a gyro, if you will. It's it's actually real meat versus fake meat in most instances. But you, it's the same concept as a gyro. You put the pork in there. You go with the tzatziki. But in Greece, they stuff the fries in there too with the onions and the tomatoes and the lettuce. And then you can have it with an ice Greek salad, some some rice pilaf. It's it's good eating, man. Mm. Now is uh, I know I mentioned baklava earlier. Are there other like Greek desserts that we should know about? Yeah, well, you got baklava, which is a staple. Another uh, form of the baklava, it's called kataifi. It's the same idea, except it's this this um, 
instead of using the phyllo, um, it's kind of like this stringy, uh, crusty. I don't know how the fuck to explain it, but it's 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 basically the same idea as baklava. You got the walnut center with the honey, but instead of using the phyllo dough, it's basically like this stringy phyllo that is clumped together, and you form a nice little shell over the walnut stuffing. Put the honey over it. Ball game. It's good shit, man. Mm. You get so, hungry, your diet's in big trouble here, my I, friend. I know, I know. So, dude, I told I told you this. I uh, so I grew up in Hyde Park. Um, you know, in Roslindale's a little bit of a more of a neighborhood. It's kind of like Roslindale Village now, I guess. Um, for those who like are in the area, and it's right, it's next to West Roxbury, which is next to Dedham. Um, but growing up, dude, fucking Greeks, the the Greek community was huge, dude. Like. And uh, you know, I I had like friends who like lived down the street, and like I was eating Greek food, like you like you couldn't believe as a kid. Um, but like, what is it about that area? Like, is is it the church? Is is that where it is? Like, there yeah, Roslyn everywhere. Yeah, Roslindale. It's funny with Greeks because they they congregate in in specific areas. So when you look at Massachusetts, specifically Eastern Mass. You got a lot of Greeks in Rosendale. You got the Greek church there, St. Nectadios. There you go. But then you got a lot of Greeks in Lynn, a lot of Greeks in Lowell. Yeah. Um, they, there's big Greek populations there. There's also big a big Greek population out in Shrewsbury, Worcester area. Mm. So Greeks aren't as spread out as Italians or, or other cultures are. They like to congregate in one area, primarily because one of the drawbacks of being Greek, if you will, is, is they're very, um, I don't want to say xenophobic, but they're really firm believers in their culture and they like sticking mm. together and working together. And so that's why you see them clumped up in different parts of the state. Hey, did you have a big fat Greek wedding? I, uh, no, actually my wife is, um, she's, uh, Irish French and, uh, we had a pretty, we got married in a Greek church, but then the reception was a, a regular, you know, reception where we did play some Greek music. So, um, but if you're envisioning plate breaking, that didn't happen. <laughs> so I went to, I've been to Greek weddings, and what they do is when the when you're dancing, everyone just starts fucking, you know, the money out. Right? Is that what happened at your oh, wedding? Oh yeah, okay, they're yeah. making it rain in Greek. I'm telling you, if you get a chance to go to a Greek wedding, everybody, it's an experience. Do it. do it. It's fucking fun. I had a blast, and you're right. I went to one in Lynn, um, St. Pius, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, up in Lynn or whatever, but I, I had a fucking blast. Uh, I was hanging out with the Greeks all. Dude, I fit right in. Like, you might as well call me. You do like, have a Greek look to you. Yeah, I, I do. Greek, I, I, Greek Italian I'll look. I'll pop up my fucking collar, dude. You can call yeah, me. Wear Joe. the white shoes. You're good to go. You can call me Joso, right? Or uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, what, what could be like? A, do they call you John? What do you? What do you? What, what's your Greek name? <laughs> Yanni. Yanni, like okay, a musician. Okay, you can call me Joey. <laughs> you know, I'll be whatever the fuck you want it to be. But I, I love hanging out with the Greeks. Dude, I, like I told you, I grew, I grew up with the Greeks. Like I had a ton of fun with them. Like I like like from like Takis, one of my like I, I had so many friends. But yet the thing is with these kids, they never they never my the friends I grew up with, they're all they like were driving at 15. You shouldn't have been driving. What are you doing? And their parent the, the father's like, I think it's about time you got out there. You know, and it's like oh, yeah. oh, Greek, Greek fathers and Italian fathers. Are <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, my father's trying to teach me how to ride a bike. He's pushing me in the back. I'm like, that's not the point of this. You're supposed to guide me along as I figure it out. That's no, not right. my Greek father. Yeah, let me slap you in the back and watch you crash and burn and be like, get up, get up. <laughs> uh, what, what do that's I have? I'm stuck riding a bike to this day. Uh, that's funny. All right, one last one because I know you've been uh, uh, favorite frozen food. 
Ooh, that's a good one. Favorite frozen food. I'm, you know, I'm a big fan, and I don't know if this counts as a frozen food, but I'm a big fan of the orange chicken fried rice from Trader Joe's. Oh, I've had it. I've had it. Oh, man. Trader huge, Joe's, huge fan. Trader Joe's does nothing wrong. Nothing, no, dude. They're fantastic. They make like this barbecue rub if you ever get a chance. It's like a seasonal kind of thing. It's like a yep. coffee, coffee barbecue rub, I think it's called. Oh, yeah, you're right, dude. They they do they do everything really well when they are, they're unbelievable. It, it is. It's crazy. You know, like even their cut up frozen chicken. It's fantastic. You get you get the tortilla chips, you get the cheese, make a quick, quick batch of nachos. It's unbelievable. Mm. Fat guy recommendation. You ready? You ever, you ever make biscuits in the oven? I haven't. I have before, yeah. Okay, all right. So you get the little biscuit fucking dough, right? Put it on a pan. Get yourself some sauce, okay? I go with, like, the Rinaldi, something simple from, like, a store or whatever. Put some sauce on those biscuits. Like, spread them out, like, like you know. And then just put some grated cheese on those bad boys. Oof. Pop them in the Oof. oven. Biscuit pizzas. Biscuit pizzas. Wow. Because you know when when pizza's on a bagel, you can yeah, eat it's kind of eh. You can eat pizza anytime. Put, right. a, put a little biscuit under that. It's a different that, that that flaky crust, that buttery flaky crust. Yeah. That's a game changer because I I do like English muffin pizza, bagel pizza, and I'm gonna sound like Mel Kiper. English muffin pizza, bagel <laughs> pizza, of course, a high quality. But but now that's a game changer. The biscuit. Yeah. By the way, I. I Quick amendment, and and my wife texted me this, by the way. Um, but but they are spring rolls, fantastic. And I would know they're good because my mother makes them. Her food company makes them. You got to try them; they're unbelievable. But your mom has a food company. They is the name of the company. They make um, feta cheese spread, and they also make these ridiculous spring rolls that are like. Is this local? Awesome! Yeah, yeah. You can get them at Whole Foods. You can get them at, uh, I think they're at Shaw's Market Basket. Yep. Oh, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. I might, I might have to go look for that. Yeah, if you are you decide you want to throw on the old mask and and, uh, and the uh, latex gloves and venture yeah. out. Have you been venturing? Have you been venturing out? I've, ha- I've had to. Um, I drive to Dorchester. I went to Dorchester three days this week. Did um, you? I ventured funny. over to, I ventured out to do the show with the, uh, the Pepster last night. Oh, really? Did, oh, wow. Where was that? Uh, he he has a setup at his house. He's a studio. Oh, no, so you go over there. Okay, all right, yeah. cool. Uh, yeah, so you know you got we got like I've been practicing the social. Oh, funny story. Well, um, somebody at the station I won't say um, doesn't want me to sit near near that seat. Um, so I had to go all the way over. Um, you know, little little uh, wanted to really really practice the social distancing. Like I'll give you six to ten feet. You really need right. twenty, though. Yeah, I, that that is a, re, a a bit unreasonable, in my opinion. I'm sure, I'm sure you can figure out who that was. Yeah. Um, all right, he is John Serenides, dude. Two and a half hours, dude. Did you, <laughs> does this get you away? Are you okay? Like, are you gonna get in trouble from I'm the water? Good. I can do it again. We might we <laughs> might have to we might have to do an abridged version, but I, I'm in anytime you want me to. No, but I mean, like, you know, are you like? Did you have plans, like? Like, are you nah, in trouble? Whatever. You... We're all doing the same thing these no, days. Nothing. Literally, dude, I have nothing going on. I have, I have nothing going. Like, I'm gonna hang up on this. I'm gonna do the recordings and send them out. I'm probably just gonna put my ass on the chair and wait for the draft. Maybe take a nap. I don't know. Yeah. I'm a napper. Big napper. Maybe a late afternoon snack. Ooh, yeah. 
Maybe maybe some biscuits with a little sauce and cheese, Joe. Oh no, man. Maybe uh maybe a little orange chicken with rice. Dude, good call, man. I'm telling you that that's a go-to for us. If we're if we're having a long day and we need a quick meal, we got it in the fridge. Oh, that's a go-to. What we gotta get you to do is I live north now, okay? So I never thought I'd talk cross the Tobin Bridge in my life. Never. Never. <laughs> never. Like ever. You told me like Revere. Or you hate Danvers? I'm never going there. Where are those places? Yeah, I, I that's where I live now. <laughs> I like live off of Route One, kind of. But um, a great destination that is uh, very nearby is I call the Kowloon Restaurant. I've been there. I invite you up a couple. You know, have you're gonna have to trust my arm, brother. Just give me a time and and let's get a crew together and go up there. You got it, bud. All right, man. I'm gonna post this out. Good draft stuff. Anything else on the draft you want to say before we go? No, I'm just – I'm hoping that at this point, given that the Patriots traded down, let's – I want to see trader uh, – I want to see Bill Belichick become trader Bill. Let's start moving picks here. Let's make this fun. All right, he is John Serenides, Dr. Football, New England Football Journal. He's got his piece out. He'll be doing stuff all weekend. Uh, I am I'm, – I'm done today too. I just wanted to preview real quick, John, before I get out of here. Uh, next week, Will Brinson, CBS Sports. Nice. We got him on Monday. Christian Arcan from 98 Five the Sports I'm on Tuesday. This guy named Adam Kaufman. Do you remember him? I do. He's uh, going to join the show on Wednesday. Marshall Hook. Marshall Hook of the Weekenders. Heard on uh, YouTube Saturdays at 1. And then this guy. Uh, he's the former goalie of the Boston Bruins. He won the Calder Trophy Award. Um, his nickname was The Razor. He was once seen on a Zamboni going over the going over the Zakem Bridge one day. Uh, his name is Andrew Raycroft, and he will be on the show next Friday. How about that for a uh, the lineup? This you closed off a big week this week, John. Quality, that's a quality lineup, my friend. You I know, did. You, I appreciate getting the Friday shift, by the way. Well, well, you know what it is. We can talk like the mid rounders and all that shit. You know, like those guys don't want to do that. The f- first round, that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Lockhart can, Lockhart can, but for the most part, the other guys they only care about the juicy stuff, right? So uh, you, you got to have us that are into the into the, the scouting side of it slash gambling, breaking it all down. That's right. All right. Well, we're back on Monday. We'll recap the draft of another big week again. I'm Joe Murray. Just sitting here. We'll see you on Monday at noon. Peace.